0: Hello, I'm Robert Picardo. I'm Sylvester McCoy. I'm John Pett. And we are the cast of A Joke,
1: and you are listening to Neil
0: Before
2: Pod. Neil Before Blog presents. Neil Before Pod.
1: Hello, and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is sponsored by the Tofu Eating Wokarate whatever that is. I'm your host Craig and it's time for our monthly news roundup. We'll be talking about the news and trailers that dropped during the month of October and joining me for his turn on the news desk it's Isaac. Hello.
0: Hello. How are you doing? A little sleepy but okay.
1: Sleepy podcast recording. Can it go wrong?
0: Soft radio style drowsy podcast ahead of everyone.
1: 3am slot on local radio, where you know that nobody's listening, so you don't care. There's some truckers. Or students, or alcoholics, whatever. Yeah. But if we had that audience, we would welcome you.
0: Yeah, we don't judge. We do not. Just leave reviews.
1: (laughs) Okay, let us start with the usual roundup of what we've been consuming and with ourselves since... Well, you last appeared, so what have you been watching? What's been in front of your eyes recently?
0: Most recently, we are recording this the day after the last of Jodie Whitaker's Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor. On many of these podcasts, I don't have much to say, but... In the future, we will be doing a more Doctor Who centric one. And if you want to hear me have actual opinion, that's my wheelhouse. That's my jam. I really loved her run. I think this is an amazing send off. Also, Werewolf by Night to get into the spooky season. I really enjoyed that. I think, in a rare twist to Disney Plus things, this wasn't long enough. <laughs> I think it's 50 minutes, including all the end credits and stuff, but this should have been at least an hour and a half to get into the meat of this sort of little world and the story. I think that's the main two. That's my most recent things.
1: I haven't seen Werewolf by Night yet. It's really weird for me not to have seen an MCU thing. I also haven't seen I Am Groot, the little cute Groot shorts. I haven't seen everything the MCU has to offer yet, apparently, but I will catch up on that. And maybe I'll watch I Am Groot. No, I Am Groot around Halloween. Sure, why not? But I'll maybe watch Werewolf by Night around
0: halloween yeah make the most of the sort of speakiness of it
1: yeah but i've heard good things andrew reviewed it for the site and was a big fan of it as i understand it the rumor is that they're going to do the special presentation format for more stuff
0: hopefully it is quite nice you can do more outlandish and weird stuff without having to build too much of a world around it you can just sort of throw people in and be like yep like in this case it is a world of monster hunters and a whole side of the mcu that we haven't really seen So if they did, any sort of space one, could pick a guardian, an old guardian or...
1: Yeah, a Hyperion or someone like that.
0: Or, yeah, the Ravagers, what are they up to? Anyone, really? But yeah, let's have a little harmless side adventure that doesn't need to have too much impact on the ongoing story. It's a good
1: way to introduce new characters or concepts that you might want to do something with later. It's not really asking much of the audience. It's, here's an hour of something and we can see if you like it or not. And We'll build from that. The rumour I read was that Silver Surfer was one they were planning to do, him just being the Herald of Galactus, which, yeah, that'd be a great way to first meet the character.
0: I was thinking of this the other day, mostly about this in comics in general in the MCU, and more Marvel stuff. I want to see more of the civilian, the mundane, because we still have to have that sort of element. Some of the the Marvel stuff has come now. I'm not stopping watching, but I'm not as invested in some of the Marvel stuff now. And I'm starting to think it is because it's all the heroes only interacting with the heroes and it's a multiverse and stuff. What's nice about the Spider-Man movies is also he has to go to college and he has friends with no powers who just exist in the world around. And I think that'd be a nice thing we could do with special presentations, especially in the future when the X-Men come in. Show them just having a day, (laughs) just superhero life. The multiverse doesn't have to be at stake, especially the X-Men, for example. They're not all going to be on the team, but maybe we want to see what Dazzler is up to. (laughs) she go on a night out or maybe Quicksilver not having to do anything drastically dangerous but what's it like living in this world just living for everyone else
1: or a day in a life at the Xavier school
0: yeah a class I will not mind saying a class of expert
1: maybe put Kitty Pride in the center of it as a teenage entry to the Xavier school and
0: a good gang when you have to introduce a a wide amount of characters like you said with the rumored silver surfer one if a whole new one of characters are coming in it is kind of handy to take some of the ones that won't have massive roles to do in the ongoing stories and just give them a little 45 minutes or whatever someone will really love seeing the blob show up for like 50 minutes or stilt man or someone (laughs) they're not gonna get too much stuff but it'd be nice for someone to have a little And obviously like the writers as well. There's not too much at stake. You can just have a little fun project. So I think that's quite a nice avenue for them to go down.
1: It's almost like an extension of the one-shots they used to do on the Blu-ray releases.
0: Yeah, kind of like that. It's just nice. (laughs) It's a nice little thing.
1: Fair. I will definitely watch Werewolf by Night. I've just been too busy to sit down and watch it with all the other commitments that I've had. Is there anything else you've been watching?
0: No, I think that's everything.
1: Cool. Well... TV-wise, I have been watching, not a lot different to what I talked about last month, but I'll go through some of it again, She-Hulk, which is now finished. I thought the finale was awful, and it was so bad that it kind of broke the show for me, so it made me think back on how pointless everything else was leading up to it. I won't go into the specifics there, because there's a whole podcast about it that will be coming soon after this at some point, so you can listen to that. Did you watch She-Hulk, or is that part of your issues that you're having with the mcu at the moment
0: a lot of it is down to this i think i was watching sandman and i was like i'll catch up with this and it's in the endless line of my list of things that i'll never catch up with
1: well i would suggest don't bother watching she-hulk because there's things about it that potentially break the entire universe surrounding it but i won't go into it i'll tell you offline if you want but i don't know how spoilers people are so i'll refrain I've been watching Rings of Power, which is now finished. I haven't finished it yet, though. The last one I saw was episode six, but I've been enjoying it. I think it's a little too deliberately paced, which makes it sound like I'm saying, oh, yeah, it's not just a mile a minute action stuff. But no, I think that some of it is too slow a burn, even though I'm interested in some of the elements. Sometimes they'll cut to a scene and I'm like, I'm not interested in anything that's going on here. Please someone do something else. It's one of those types of sprawling epic shows where sometimes you're just not interested in some of the plot lines, so you just kind of wait for them to end or wait for them to converge.
0: Yeah, that's what put me off about Game of Thrones back in the day. I was like, this is too pedestrian. <laughs> Let's get some dragons and fight. <laughs> I don't care about the finances of the north or whatever or whatever tedium they have to have a meeting about for a while.
1: I've been watching Stargirl, the DC show, it's on its third season. Andrew's been reviewing it on the site. Enjoying season three, it's up and down in terms of pacing, but it's decent. I've been watching Andor, although I'm a couple episodes behind but I think it's probably the best thing they've done in Star Wars in quite some time.
0: I know that my hometown showed up last week, but that's all <laughs> I know about the show. The scenes filmed in Blackpool were apparently last week a little space resort or something. Mm. And there was Pitlockery as well in Ooh. Scotland. Pitlochry's lovely.
1: I don't know if you'll engage with it, because there are so far at least no lightsabers in it.
0: Yeah, that's not my jam. this. <laughs> <No lightsabers. laughs> But it's
1: quite an interesting look at the Star Wars universe. And one of the things that stands out to me about it is it isn't concerned with throwing references at you all the time or pointing at characters and being like, remember them? Remember this person? They're important. Instead, it just tells a story. But it's the same guy that was brought in to punch up the final cut of Rogue One. And as I understand it, he's not a Star Wars fan, really. So he just tells a story. He looks at what he's got available and just makes a story out of it. That's in some ways what a franchise needs, needs someone who isn't actually living and breathing this stuff. It needs someone that can take a step back and look at it and think, here's what this is actually about, or here's what it could be about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really hate Rogue One. I've so. <laughs> oh, been the Rogue One guy then. I was like, oh, I'll definitely give it a miss. Definitely not for me.
1: Well, Rogue One has those elements that is very much the franchise talking to itself and referencing itself, but I imagine those are the bits that were left in or forced in, whereas it seems that the guy's just getting to run free with the concept and play with it. So, good for him and I will catch up with it. But again, I've just not had the chance to sit and do it because of other commitments. Star Trek Universe, I have seen all of Lower Decks Season 3 and thought it was pretty excellent. Throughout, the finale was great. It continues to be funny, charming, exciting, all of those things. It's a great entry into the Star Trek Universe and just a nice bit of fun to enjoy once a week. Although that's not how I consumed it because I got screeners, so I watched eight episodes in like two days and then had to wait eight weeks for the next round screeners my own fault i know
0: that's the punishment that comes with the access i guess
1: the monkey's paw wish isn't it i wish i could see star trek before everyone else and then when i can i have to wait weeks until i see more star trek so there's the cost prodigy that's back as well not quite at the time of recording but it's back this week i have seen two episodes that haven't aired yet and loving it it's my favorite modern star trek series and it's the one made for kids I'm not just saying that to be controversial. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody online, but I love it. I think it's a really charming little show and it really nails its character stuff.
0: That's nice.
1: And it's nicely animated. It looks a bit like Clone Wars, but in its later years when they really got the animation right, instead of the weird blocky animation they had in their first few seasons.
0: You only saw the modern Disney Plus ones, but that style, yeah.
1: Yeah. Also on TV is The Winchesters, which is the Supernatural prequel spin-off. And I've been enjoying it. I don't think it's set the world alight yet. It's still very much in its early days. I've only seen two episodes because that's all that's aired. But it's keeping me interested. And one thing that I'm enjoying about it is the fact that it isn't beating you over the head with references to Supernatural. It brings them in where relevant and has a few winks and nods, but it's not relentless with them. We're a prequel, so here's all the references to the stuff you know. It's pretty good. And they do the usual tactic that they do in franchise shows where you have the, I call them the Fry character, as in the person that comes into the life and doesn't know anything about it, so they can ask questions and have it all explained to them. I know the concept predates Fry, but he's a glaring example.
0: i never watched Supernatural, but I know it's got quite a big following. And they
1: finally got a spin-off, and this was it. On the rewatch, I've been rewatching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have recently finished the sixth season, so moving on to the final season. I've been enjoying going over it again. I went on record last month saying it's my favourite Marvel show, and it still is. Of all the shows they've done, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the best. The MCU needs more Coulson. I think that's what we're trying to say here. In terms of movies, I watched Halloween Ends, which was alright. It goes in weird directions, such as abandoning what it set up in the first two films and telling a completely new story. It tries to say something about Michael Myers' evil being contagious and... All these things, but it's just weird. The characters make completely bizarre, out-of-character stupid decisions in order to make the plot work. And as we all know, Aaron's pet hate is the plot force taking over. He rages against it every time. It, It sucks, but it's okay. If you didn't like the other two, don't watch this one. I didn't like Halloween Kills, but I liked the first one. Well, the first one in this New sequel timeline, so really the second one in this timeline. You hated it, as I recall.
0: Yeah, it's pretty trash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also watched Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons, which is the latest DC animated film. Really good fun. It's Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne teaming up to save their parents and the world and the other heroes from Starro, who is possessing everybody. Oh, sounds fun. The animated films are generally really good and... An early plug is I did a series of interviews for the film. I interviewed the director and four of the actors, one of which was the legendary, at least for people that know who he is, Troy Baker, who is the voice of Joel in The Last of Us and so many other things. But he voices Batman in this film, so we had a good chat about being Batman. So listen to that. It's good fun. The film's good fun, so check it out. Less good on the DC front was Black Adam which I thought was relentless and ridiculous. Those are two words I would use with it. I'm starting to get bored of the rock. That might be blasphemy to say so, but I'm just getting bored of the guy because there's just so much surrounding him in terms of his star power. And then we all know about the Fast and Furious clauses where I have to get an equal number of punches or I can't be beaten or lose a fight or whatever else. And that is so evident in the Black Adam film. There's so many fights in it where he's just getting wailed on and barely reacting to it he has an extended fight with hawkman and really boring because you know that there's no way that either of them will really be injured yes. and it's just constantly doing that and it resolves with a big third act cgi blowout that's as exhausting as the rest of the film there are some interesting things in it pierce brosnan as dr fate is amazing and the other justice society characters to be fair are quite good but they should be in a better film and Weirdly, The Rock doesn't get to use the charisma he has because he plays Black Adam as really one note. Everything he says is in that monotone, sort of tough guy voice. Yeah. And it's all about heroes don't kill and all this dated nonsense. You can tell the script's gone through like 14 revisions and it's a patchwork of all of them. So we waited 15 years for that. Yeah. But Dwayne Johnson is happy that it's out. So good for The Rock, I suppose. Yeah, good for him. Do you have anything to plug before we move on to trailers?
0: No, I don't do anything.
1: <laughs> Simple as that. Just to reiterate my plug for the Battle of the Super Sons interviews. I talked to some really cool people. So one of which was Jack Dylan Grazer as well. He's Freddie and Shazam, the disabled friend. Have you seen Shazam? No, I've seen it. He's in that, and he was cool to talk to. And yeah. Troy Baker, of course. Laura Bailey, who is the voice of everybody. She voices Lois Lane, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, etc., etc. Not in the same film. Yeah. <laughs> across different projects. So, yeah, it's really cool. Also, over on the We Made This Podcast Network, the network where I have glommed onto. I've been invited on to join the team at We Are Starfleet, which is the Star Trek podcast. They closed down the Star Trek animated podcast because there's no point in having both. So I've been asked to join the regular team on that. So there's now four of us. So I've given myself more work by accepting. Yep. I'm sure this will end well for me. It'll be fine. Clinical exhaustion. You're not a real man unless you've suffered from clinical exhaustion.
0: Never start a project you can finish. Because otherwise you don't get to lose sleep over it. (laughs) That's it.
1: Always be up to the grain. Crunch culture. It's apparently the way the world works according to visual effects artists. Okay, let's move on to trailers. Let's start with a couple of threes. The first one we have is Creed 3, the third entry in the Rocky spin-off franchise starring Michael B. Jordan. This is directed by michael b jordan and rocky apparently isn't in this one which looks like it won't matter based on this trailer to be fair he is fighting against jonathan majors playing a character called damien who's an old friend of his who had it rough and he's very angry and violent and they're going to fight over it i suspect that adonis creed will be heavily beaten in the first half of the film and he'll come back swinging in the second half of the film That's how these things work. Yeah. But I'm keen for this. Have you seen the Creed movies, either of them?
0: No, I've never seen a Creed or a Rocky. Okay. I'm aware of them, but other than it's boxing, I know nothing about the people or the history or the lore or anything. Okay,
1: but you can probably follow it just on a
0: narrative level. Yeah, it's just people punching.
1: (laughs) So what did you think of this trailer?
0: I'm not the audience for it. Obviously, Creed is now more established and he's taken over the franchise in his own way but watching this trailer as someone who doesn't watch these movies, it just basically gets sloshed over. I'm sure it'll be fine if you know what this is, but I just I watched it, I was like, yeah, everyone looks very big and scary, and I'm sure it'll be impressive when they fight. They'll be good at it, and this is his first directorial movie, isn't it? Like said. Yeah, I think so. So hopefully he'll have a bit of fun with the flair and the, the scale of everything, but it's one of those trailers where it's absorbed once and then it still fades away.
1: Kang versus Killmonger, of course, It's one thing you can say about it. Yeah? One thing that stood out to me about it is I got Warrior vibes, as in there's a film called Warrior that stars Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, or Edgerton, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. That guy, Edgerton, anyway. Yeah, Owen Lars from Star Wars. And there's, what, two appearances, is it now? I think so, yeah. Three, if you include that two-second cameo in Revenge of the Sith. Anyway, him. basically the film follows both of the characters, so it encourages the audience to invest in one or the other. And obviously there is a winner. It's a mixed martial arts film, not really a boxing film, but it's the same sort of idea. You watch the two of them and you see them develop towards the point where they eventually fight. And I wonder if they're doing that with this, where they're going to follow Damien and make you sympathise with him even though he's ostensibly a villain. Also, I wonder if that's a deliberate choice for Michael B. Jordan in the director's chair because he can then split his time.
0: So in these movies are there villains or is it more rivals Are the people that either rocky fought in the originals or creed do they tend to become a mean streak or is it mostly just going for the title is it sportsmanship or is, does it depend on the competitor, I guess?
1: It's a bit of both. They do tend to frame them in a hero versus villain type narrative setup because that's easy to connect with. Apollo Creed in the first film, he's more arrogant and he's just looking for an exhibition fight and Rocky ends up putting him through his paces unexpectedly. And then they have the rematch in the second one. Mr. T is just an ass in the third one and needs the smug smile beaten off his face. Dolph Lundgren kills Apollo Creed in the fourth one. The fifth one doesn't really have anything. And then the sixth one doesn't have a traditional villain in that sense. It's more about Rocky just getting one last chance in the ring. First Creed doesn't have a strong villain. The second one has a stronger villain, though. The second one is more of a sequel to Rocky IV as well, because Dolph Lundgren's character returns, and it's his son versus Creed, who's Rocky's protege. So there's a bit of a personal stake there. But yes, it is hero versus villain, largely. And you're building up to that fight at the end. Yeah, And then your lead character is the one you want to root for. But I wonder if they're maybe going to make you connect with Damien in some way. The trailer makes it look like he is bad news, but I wonder if that's just for the trailer. Who knows? But But as a director, it would make sense for Michael B. Jordan to lessen his time and spend time directing someone else.
0: Yeah, especially if they've always for those seasons
1: Yeah, it'd be really difficult to direct yourself for the whole time. But we'll see. I'm really looking forward to it. I like the first two. I will need to revisit them, actually. Maybe I'll do a rocky binge at some point before it comes out. Just watch all eight movies. Let's move on to Megan or Mithrigan, which is a story apparently about a killer robot. The trailer makes it look a bit like Chucky, but I wonder if it's. Hiding the fact that the kid is actually evil and the robot's just doing what it's designed to do. Well,
0: yeah, because the robot is designed to protect, isn't it? And it's just taking that either way too seriously. Or the twist will be that the kid's using it as a force for evil. There's some weird dancing involved. It's there certainly is. very creepy. Even if it was a good doll or something, it's just very unsettling. Anyway, no one would buy this for their children. <laughs> it's just this horrible, dead-eyed kind of human thing
1: really playing up the uncanny valley isn't it
0: yeah it's really going hard on that i don't know if that works in its favor or against if they made it look more friendly but if it's obviously sinister it's kind of similar to tim curry's pennywise versus skarsgård's one tim curry's one still looks like a clown that kids could trust whereas the newer pennywise is clearly evil (laughs) no one's mistaking it for a children's entertainer. Yeah. Well, I'm
1: afraid of clowns, so I haven't seen either of those and won't.
0: Yeah, I am not seen either of them either, actually.
1: So there's no clown that I will ever trust because they are horrifying.
0: Yeah, you've got a hard road going straight in to be a likeable clown in the, on the circuit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not a career path you should decide down or down, especially in these economic times. Yeah. Clown College. Don't go there because there's no future in it. Our next trailer is Enola Holmes 2. I did watch the trailer. I haven't seen the first film. It actually reminded me of the the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes movies in terms of pacing.
0: I really liked Enola Holmes. It's a mix between that and the family adventure. Good puzzles that are still clever enough that Noel has some credibility in solving them but once you know those solutions oh yeah that makes sense say one of the things that the bbc sherlock later on got a lot of bad rap for is it was basically magic a lot of his things were flippant remarks he'd be like "Oh, you can tell this guy is i don't know a chain smoker because the way his watch looks or something you'd be like okay great (laughs) he sort of relied on that too much but in this it was very much oh yeah you can follow the paths of the puzzle it's still impressive enough as a puzzle for her to solve but it makes sense. It is a solvable thing.
1: Yeah, the clue was under that table that the camera never looked under, so you couldn't possibly have noticed it as a view.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I really like the first one. When it comes to murder mysteries, same with Glass Onion that's coming out. I'm avoiding trailers. I've watched the initial trailer. I know there's two trailers for No Homes now, and I've watched the first one. Because, especially with these sort of movies, you want to know the least amount. Because if you see too many, then you've got to like, solve the mystery ahead of time. But you'll get a lot of info until, for example, not in this movie, but I don't want to watch the Glass Onion trailer because it might show a murder that I'd rather see in the film than beforehand. And it's sort of the same with this, the less I know going in. So yeah, the first trailer is definitely enough to show that you've got like, Billy Bobby Brown back, Henry Cavill back, Helena Bonham Carter back. There's sort of love interest in the first film as well. There's enough to get you excited, like, oh yeah, this was a really fun film. But I know the second one, is like, okay, I've seen enough with the first one. I don't need to like go too deep into what the mystery is. I'd rather see it unfold throughout the movie, especially when it's only, it's the 4th of November, is it? So that's like two weeks.
1: Two weeks as of recording. As of release, it's like three days away. So by the time you listen to this, the thing's
0: probably out. Yeah. So one of the joys of Netflix trailers is they're very close to the release. So it looks fun and great, and I'm looking forward to this. Trailer 2 is currently a mystery, but I'm sure it doesn't give too much away, but It's fun to save some for the film.
1: Trailer 2 is mostly just a lot of stuff happening, as in just a lot of random, seemingly unconnected hijinks more than anything else. But hopefully it'll be good. Everything's really coming up Henry Cavill at the moment, isn't it?
0: Yeah, he's really good. I really like him, (laughs) Sherlock Holmes.
1: Must be weird to hear him with a British accent. His normal accent. I imagine he's putting on a voice, but still.
0: I was going to say, it's a little posh, but also he might just be a little posh. (laughs)
1: Yeah I think he is I've heard him speak It's one of those things When you've only ever Really heard him as an American Yeah Or there thereabouts And then you see them Speak normally You're like oh god I remember the first time I heard Hugh Jackman speak Outside of Things I'd seen him in I was like Oh my god that guy's Really Australian, <laughs> bizarre. So, homes too. You're excited. You've probably already yep. seen it by the time listeners hear this. So, yep. hope you enjoyed it, future you.
0: Hopefully, yeah.
1: Moving on to Anne Rice's *Mayfair Witches*. Alexandra Daddario goes to investigate a creepy old house and finds out that witches lived there. And looks like a lot of weird, creepy stuff goes on. I haven't read what it's based on, but it looks suitably creepy. And I think Alexandra Daddario is really good in things like this. She's done a fair bit of horror before. So she knows the territory, she knows how to play in that world, so I think this will be good.
0: Yeah, we're definitely in either heavy or light fantasy with, say, Lord of the Rings, this, Winx was recently, School of Good and Evil, Sandman.
1: Wheel of Time. Was that recent? It was a while ago, but still, it's
0: within a year. Yeah. Fantasy's back, anyway. It's nice to have some creepy fantasy as well as some mystical fantasy and dreamlike ones. Yeah, it looks fairly unsettling, but not in a off-putting way. And also, it's nice to see some more modern fantasy. It doesn't always have to be Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings style. It's quite nice when you mesh it with the modern world as well, especially in a world where magic and what we can do on a phone. Sometimes not too dissimilar, but it looks fairly creepy and fairly intriguing so yeah it's quite exciting it's
1: not quite a ghost story obviously it's a witch story but the idea of how does a convincing ghost story or whatever exist in a world where you can practically create one on your phone that's convincing enough and it's the what's the real thing like i don't think that's necessarily what this is we about but it's quite an interesting concept anyway yeah and i really like alexandra daddario i've seen her in quite a lot of things now and i think she's always good she usually elevates some pretty duff material Things like Baywatch and things like that. Again, to kick the rock again while he's down. Don't yeah. kick the rock. You'd actually be better off kicking a real rock rather than him.
0: He'd probably be chill with it.
1: <laughs> Just let like you kick him. He wouldn't even feel it.
0: Yeah, be like, ha, I can't feel this. I can't feel your puny kick.
1: She was also the rock's daughter in San Andreas.
0: Oh, yeah, that means
1: It's all right for what it is. Let's move on to a couple of Christmas things because we're getting towards that period of time in our lives. The festive season First one is Apple TV Plus's Spirited with Will Ferrell playing the ghost of Christmas something, future, past, whatever. Paying that much attention.
0: It's a modern, fun version of a Christmas carol with singing. Yeah.
1: And Ryan Reynolds, of course, playing Deadpool. Yeah. Or just playing Ryan Reynolds. I don't know where Ryan Reynolds ends and Deadpool begins or vice versa.
0: The beginning of this reminded me if you ever watched Bottom, yes. where at the end they did the dancing to the silhouette, and this is very similar. <laughs>
1: I'm sure neither of the people in this have ever watched Bottom I
0: don't know, Ryan Reynolds is in Wrexham around So he might have caught it on Welsh (laughs) TV
1: That's true It looks pretty good though I sometimes like Will Ferrell
0: Yeah, he's fun
1: And it seems to be a musical Although I'm not clear if it actually is a proper musical There's a lot of music in it
0: I think it is going to be a musical, yeah
1: Okay, well that potentially elevates it. it Depends on the songs
0: yeah, I think I heard somewhere that it, it is a musical. Can Ryan Reynolds sing, then? That's the question. Probably. He's a millionaire. He can give
1: it a go. <laughs> He's a handsome millionaire. He can do whatever he wants.
0: Exactly.
1: Next up on the Christmas thing, it's our last one of the month. Don't worry if you feel like it's too early, this is the last one. But it's falling for Christmas, and you'll like this because it's a Netflix Christmas movie, and you created a whole game around Netflix Christmas movies last Christmas for our Christmas special. And that's a lot of the times I've said the word Christmas in... Few seconds, but this one, Lindsay Lohan, she's back. Apparently, she's actually looking very healthy. Seems that rehab has done her good. Yeah, I always felt sorry for Lindsay Lohan because I think she's a really talented actor. If you see her in things like Mean Girls or Freaky Friday, things like that, she's very, very good. But it seems she got dragged down with some wrongings.
0: I don't know much about her personal life.
1: <laughs> Basically, she had some issues and had to go to therapy or yeah. rehab, and now she's back and in Christmas movies. This really reminded me of A Christmas Inheritance, but they've added amnesia.
0: Yeah, I think the scene in the trailer that sums up Netflix Christmas movies is when she's slowly sliding down the giant ski slope and her beloved reaches out and I hope on purpose just slips a wedding ring right off the finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that the twist is that was his plan. He's like, here's an her now, I'm just going to take this and let her go. It could be just it's the most schmaltzy attempt to save her but i'd put money on that the reveal is because usually the standard rom-com thing is you meet a rugged but handsome sometimes mean ish out of the city man but then the city man that you were previously in love with comes back and there's a love triangle situation before they go with the newfound simple life, lovely person so there's a chance that it just turns out that her fiance before her incident was just kind of awful (laughs) actually he thought she was going to die and when she didn't and found out she's alive he has to like pretend that everything's okay but i think i'm more secretly hoping that is the twist
1: you've kind of just described the plot of christmas inheritance
0: yeah they're all the same that's why they're nice to watch because you're watching it and it's on but you can be asleep it's fine
1: any suggestion of conflict is quickly dismissed and they move on and everything's fine
0: everything's fine with it don't worry about it
1: I'll probably watch this, to be fair. One thing that stands out to me in the trailer, though, is how hard is it to find someone that's really rich and presumably famous because they're rich?
0: In this universe, the universe of Christmas, I don't know, they're booking every holiday to lovely, but Christmassy resorts with handsome, but rugged, but rude people who have no time for them.
1: Do you think it's going to be part of the Netflix Christmas cinematic universe? We have Vanessa Hudgens cameo.
0: I hope so. I think they should merge all these together.
1: Well, they practically have, haven't they? They're not a Christmas princes in the same universe as?
0: They're the same, but they haven't interacted. We haven't had a avenger style camera zoom around eight different rugged, but handsome, but sometimes rude, countrymen.
1: A circle strafe around all the Vanessa Hudgens.
0: Yeah, eight different rich and spoiled women from the big city have to try and fit like a fitted bed sheet on a bed <laughs> and they all get tangled up in it until eight different mum characters are fair but direct about the harsh realities of life but by the end of the movie you all eight women love all eight of them <laughs> also the rocks in it <laughs> he punches everyone <laughs> he gets as many kisses that's his rule <laughs> I got to kiss every man and woman in this as much as they get to kiss other people it's in the contract
1: I would totally watch that and then five of them are Vanessa Hudgens
0: five of them are Vanessa Hudgens
1: so she'll be exhausted after filming it
0: yeah
1: Tatiana Maslany has got nothing on her
0: I'm assuming they did this in old Star Trek but it was an old Doctor Who trick where they just shot the same Dalek and then just played the same footage in three spaces. I'm sure they did it with the Klingons as well back in the day but it was the same it's three Vanessa Hudgens walking down the same hall and they're just like a split screen in three <laughs> and they just pretend it's three different ones and they all say the same thing at the same time. It'll be that style. But
1: it'll be good to see Lindsay Lohan again. Maybe she'll take on more challenging projects after this. Maybe this is just her settling back into the the world of movies.
0: Maybe. Also, if you like doing these, they're easy to do.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm just out of rehab. Maybe I'll just do a Netflix Christmas movie just to settle in. Yeah. There'll be nobody leading me astray on set because everybody's just really nice.
0: Yeah, there's always easy Netflix movies. They don't even have to be Christmas ones.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have the teaser for Velma, the Mindy Kaling voiced and, I believe, produced, written, whatever. She has a lot to do with this animated show about Velma, the character from Scooby-Doo. She is not white anymore, which is something that you'll notice immediately. Scooby-Doo isn't in it. It looks like they're riffing on Scream, at least in the teaser. And maybe she dies immediately, so they're not actually doing a show.
0: Maybe. That'd be a Bold opener.
1: <laughs> Velma, it was two minutes long and then we didn't make any more of it because we murdered her in the first five minutes.
0: Never really been a big Scooby Doo watcher.
1: Even though you dressed up as Shaggy for Halloween once.
0: I did, but that's just because it's a green t shirt and some red trousers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you were letting down the team if you didn't.
0: Yeah, it's just easy. <laughs> Everyone at work needed a Shaggy, so I was like, yeah.
1: Stay up late the night before so you just look stoned. Easy.
0: Exactly. It's a 12-hour shift. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in that kid. Is this a film a series that's getting hate online, or is that a different film a series?
1: No, I think it is getting hate online, probably because she isn't white, and I think she's gay in it as
0: well. Yeah, who cares? Is a talking dog.
1: <laughs> Not in this, there isn't. Scooby isn't appearing, apparently.
0: It's easy just to ignore all those people.
1: <laughs> it's better to.
0: Yeah. It's very like
1: the Harley Quinn show.
0: Yeah, it seems to be going on the success of that. But it's a bit more adult-oriented as well.
1: Yeah, rude and edgy, and
0: yeah, it's rude and edgy and swears and stuff. So, easy going on that success, which is fair.
1: It'll be an easy watch because it'll be like twenty minutes once a week. Want to just shove on when you're making dinner and yeah, things.
3: Spin them nice and easy. And-
1: Plus, I like Mindy Kaling? I was watching a bit of the U.S. Office recently. I wasn't doing a full rewatch. I was just putting on random episodes while I was doing other stuff. She's really good in that, and really good in a lot of things i've seen her in. i've never seen the mindy project though i don't know much about that
0: no i've not seen that
1: moving on we're back at netflix to wednesday adams this is the second trailer for this i really like the look of this there's something about this that just really appeals to me i think it's because it's kind of in the smallville mold because it's produced by some of the same people that ran smallville so there's that and i can't help but think it might be better if it was about her blending into a normal school the first trailer shows that She gets kicked out of a normal school for putting piranhas in the swimming pool. But if that was the whole show, it might be quite interesting.
0: Yeah, again, with these sort of fantasy thingies, just going full gothy with it, which is fun. And the odd couple's roommate, who's more colourful. But yeah, they've sort of got the Adams family, both with Wednesday and then also Gomez and what's the mum called? Morticia. Morticia, yeah. It's actually just ripped out of the original and just done exactly. But yeah, no, this looks like nice and gothy and but it's what people who want to see Wednesday Addams stuff they're not messing with the formula like we know exactly what you want just this
1: the cast look incredible they just look like they've as you say walked out of the original show or walked out of the cartoon which is where I became familiar with the Addams Family was the cartoon then I saw the movie with Christopher Lloyd as Fester this one has Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester He only has one line in the trailer, really, so it's hard to tell what he's going to be like.
0: Compared to the cartoon, it's pretty seamless. (laughs) This is the best that you're going to get.
1: And Jenna Ortega seems like she's really dialed into what Wednesday Adams is. It must be really difficult to play someone that's not very emotive without just not doing anything.
0: Yeah, it's a specific sort of deadpan, more like emotional style, but also there is a lot of character as well.
1: (laughs) Suppressing the joy, almost. Yeah, it's a lot like playing Spock, I imagine, or a Vulcan in Star Trek. It's about not playing the feelings rather than just not having the feelings, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's hiding how much fun the characters had, but they're trying their best to hide it, sort of thing.
1: <laughs> and with Jenna Ortega playing our, it uh, acknowledges what our ethnicity should be based on her parents.
0: Yeah. It makes sense.
1: And it's out on November 23rd, which is a Wednesday. So well done, Netflix. Yeah. You got one thing right with the marketing. Imagine it was coming out on a Thursday or something.
0: Might get delayed I'll see. But <laughs> now it's a Wednesday.
1: <laughs> no, nah, it's made now. They're not going to delay it. It'll be an annoying binge. I wish they were moving to the one episode a week model for this, because I feel like I'd be quite happy to tune into this once a week. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping me, I suppose. But still, yeah. every Wednesday at six o'clock, I'll watch an episode of
0: this. Yeah, they have their binge model, that happy one.
1: Which means I probably won't write about it, but you'll hear my thoughts on it, possibly on next month's News Roundup, if I've watched any of it by then. Let's move on to the Super Mario Brothers movie. The trailer for that finally released. The big question of, oh, what is Chris Pratt's Mario going to sound like? And the answer is, it just sounds like Chris Pratt.
0: Yeah. I don't have any major thoughts on this. It's fine.
1: I think it was really good. I really liked the first half of the trailer where Bowser attacking the Penguin people.
0: Yeah, it was fine. I don't have much to say about Mario. I think all the stuff that surrounded Chris Pratt initially built up a lot of expectations. But otherwise, minus the Chris Pratt element, it's just an Illumination-style Mario movie. It's there The Grinch or any of those Minions films, they have an audience. And I've only ever casually been... I've played levels of Mario, but... I've not played too much of the non old style ones where they're just platformers. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are way more involved with that world than I am. You know, I played every Mario game I have way more opinions on this, but it's a family movie based on a property. <laughs>
1: It's fine. I think a lot of people are kicking off about Chris Pratt's vocal performance and that argument always comes up about voice actors don't have to be Chris Pratt. You don't have to cast Chris Pratt in your movie. For marketing purposes they almost have to because then he can show up on The Late Show with whoever presents The Late Show and say, "Hi, I'm in the Mario movie. Here's a clip." And He can do all that, whereas voice actors don't tend to do that sort of promotion. Voice actors do the kind of promotion where they talk to people like me for 10 minutes about playing Batman, another plug for my recent interview series. But also, it's kind of taking work away from people that are a lot better at it than the people they cast in these things. And the original Mario voice, or the well-known Mario voice anyway, Charles Martinet, he has a prominent role in Skyrim and apparently he's really good in it. So he could absolutely play Mario in this. There's a trailer online that... Puts his Mario voice in using AI to show how well it would work. And there's also a great fan made game with the Chris Pratt character model, as in Chris Pratt dressed as Mario as a character model playing the first level of Mario. So if you haven't seen that in the show notes, it's very funny.
0: I'm not aware of that.
1: You should watch it, it's really fun. And it just seems like voice actors tend to get the shaft when it comes to these things. Like, yeah, Mario, we're getting a movie that isn't the Bob Hoskins movie, so sure it'll be fine next up this one's hot off the press we only got this trailer today and it happened before we finished recording which is a nice touch it's nice to not be annoyed that something releases after we are finished recording so great but it's the teaser for ant-man and the wasp Quantumania, the third ant-man movie and the second but first proper introduction to kang so what did you think of this teaser that we finally got to see after so many Comic-Con descriptions?
0: Whatever. <laughs> it's just a lot of special effects and, ooh, here's the Quantum Realm and, ooh, here's some alien with a lightbulb head. I very much struggled to care <laughs> all the way through.
1: I think the Quantum Realm looks great, though. It's better than it was in the previous one where it was just a nondescript, rocky hellscape.
0: Yeah, it's more colourful, but... I just didn't care. It's just a cosmic special effect with things flying around in it. I glazed over really heavily. First time I watched this, I was at Work and I watched it on mute. And then I watched it when I got back home. And both times I wasn't really listening to what they were saying. It was on... i am not really enjoyed the Ant-Man movies, so I'm not too fussed about them. But yeah, this one, it just looked like a lot of special effects and monsters and Kang suiting up or something. I, I couldn't really concentrate on it.
1: Kang looks really cool, though. I love his comic accurate suit
0: sure in terms of marvel i'm going to be more selective i won't catch this one i know that already even
1: though it's going to be super important potentially to the avengers upcoming stuff i'll
0: just listen to a review that tells me what happens <laughs> some of them i'll just listen to find out what happens and then the ones i actually want to watch i'll go watch but if i need to keep up with the story a lot of these i know i'm not gonna go and watch these in the cinema or on disney plus so it's nice visuals and it's, it's very like, colorful and imaginative looking space but yeah it's not for me
1: i like to look at this a lot i like the Ant- ant-man movies even the second one even though it is a bit disposable it could be really pivotal to the whole ongoing story or maybe it won't be maybe this will just be a variant of kang that will be vanquished but i like them expanding out the quantum realm because the microverse as it's called in the comics another world with loads of people in it and eyeless and so on so we might get a version of that it's a place the Fantastic Four like to play in I wouldn't be surprised if the Fantastic Four are stuck in here and then they re-emerge and that's how they're introduced I guess we'll find out we get our first look at Catherine Newton as Cassie so the recast of that the third actor to play Cassie with the young kid in the first two movies and whoever it was in Endgame five years later and now we've got Catherine Newton she's always really good in stuff So it'd be really cool to see her interact with this a lot. So I'm eager. Paul Rudd, can't really go wrong.
0: Yeah, he seems to be having fun, which is nice.
1: Bill Murray's there. He's a Quantum Realm guy, it seems. Yeah. We also got a trailer for Wakanda Forever, a second one, but I didn't watch this trailer because I felt like the teaser was enough for me. So I really just want to go into the cinema with that. Although, of course, I have seen the pictures of Ironheart and Namor with his little ankle wings which made me laugh at first, but it does look pretty cool. He likes his red boulders name more, doesn't he?
0: Oh yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, Yeah, I, like, I don't know the character, but okay, I get what you're doing. I yeah.
1: you. <laughs> I'm actually pleased they really went for it with giving him the wings on his ankles because it seemed like something they would just drop. If it was maybe made 10 years ago or something like that, they might have decided to forego that. He can just fly. just not worry about how he does it.
0: Yeah, but they can have a little fun with a little shoe wings.
1: (laughs) And Ironheart, I didn't get a good look at her suit, but it looks pretty old school in terms of how it's constructed. I kind of miss the days where Tony Stark was putting his suits together in the way that he would have to essentially screw himself into them and things. Yeah. So it looks like we're getting back to that with her, which would be
0: great. I don't think I caught that the first time I watched it around. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the nano. It's a bit easy, it's a bit boring.
1: I always like the more elaborate ways he would suit up, it's in a suitcase, it's in the chair and he's jet or whatever, or he summons the parts to him or all those creative suiting up sequences. It's a bit like in Transformers as well. In the first few films, they showed the really elaborate transformation sequences. So you could see every part folding into every other part as you see the change. If you freeze frame it and go frame by frame, you'd really see how it works. But then in the first Mark Wahlberg one, they just had the messes of particles just forming into stuff. Rubbish. I do like the mechanics of these things. So yeah, it'd be good to get back to that, hopefully. What is that I hear in the distance? Is that a howling? Maybe that's your cue to run and hide in terror like you usually do while I talk to Kat about stuff.
0: I do love to be in terror.
1: Yeah, just get the blood pumping. So if you go hide, I won't tell her where you are.
0: Good. Okay, See you in
1: a minute. Ah, Cat, you don't scare me with your howling. Isaac may be cowering in terror, but I am here.
3: Well, good, because I need someone to talk to.
1: Yeah, otherwise you're just howling at the moon.
3: I am howling by myself. In the middle of a forest, and if there's no one to hear me, am I making a sound? That's the question. So, New York Comic Con brought us a lot of things. First of all, it brought us a a release date, which is January 26th, which is also, weirdly, and not at all confusingly, the same release date as Wolfpack, which is the not Teen Wolf-related series that Jeff Davis is also creating for MTV (laughs) slash Paramount+.
1: That'll be some double bill for fans on the day then
3: both the things are dropping on the same day but they're not supposed to be related not confusing at all like i said so at least everyone who wants a werewolf thing is gonna be happy on january 26th so we got that and then we got a clip from the upcoming film
1: which i have not watched but you have
3: i have so let me bring you up to speed because you don't know any of this i think i have Told you a little bit before about how Tyler Hecklin's character, Derek, was kind of left at a precarious place when last we saw him on Teen Wolf the show. And questions abounded, and we might see some answers now. He's in this movie. Oh, and we also got a tease and a revelation, perhaps, from Tyler Posey, who is the protagonist of Teen Wolf, who said that the film is set 16 years from when the show left off. So it's set in 2026, which makes Scott, his character, about 30, 31. And someone like Derek would be in his 40s.
1: So close to their actual age then.
3: Yeah, basically. I think a lot of the actors have uh, aged. (laughs) It's been a long time and it would be ridiculous to ask them to play teenagers again
1: it was probably ridiculous at the time some
3: of them were closer than others so sure and tyler hecklin was never meant to be a teenager he was a full grown adult outside (laughs) of the education system so it's interesting and i'm kind of here for it to see where these characters have ended up that far into the future what the clip That got released at NYCC tells us is that Derek has a son, which (laughs) begs the question, who's the mother? So he and Styles never got together? Are you crushing our dreams, Jeff? Come on. Just all of those things that the fandom has really speculated about and written copious amounts of fanfic to deal with the not knowing and now we're getting an answer i'm not sure how i feel about it but also we don't know if dylan o'brien's in this anyway so who's to say the other thing we get from this clip is the return of allison argent she's kind of back on her (laughs) bullshit I guess Allison Argent is, or was, the romantic interest for Scott McCall, Tyler Posey's character. But at some point, and I have whined about this on this show before, at some point, Crystal Reed, the actress who plays Allison Argent, decided to leave the show in order to uh, pursue bigger projects. Question mark But nothing materialized, and a that left her career in a precarious place. But B, it also left the show at a precarious place because they wrote her out with a glorious death send-off that was very much, she's not coming back from that one. And yet here she is. And Derek recognizes her and he's like, wait, how are you back? And she either seems to not remember him or she ignores him completely and continues to attack him. And he does get injured quite severely. And so the Clip leaves us with a cliffhanger. I really hope Derek doesn't die, especially like this, because this would suck. Very much. I would not like this at all. We'll see what happens. It does look very much like the show did, albeit slightly better shot because it's film. So I'm interested. The son character also seems interesting and their relationship and stuff. Somebody said online, I forget where I read this, but Derek being really paternal brings Superman vibes because that's his thing on the Superman show where he has kids. And... That's kind of cool. I just want to see how we got from point eight to B.
1: How old is the son character or supposed to be?
3: He's a teenager. They're at Beacon Hills High School. He plays lacrosse the same as the teenagers and the TV show did because that's their sport. So like 15.
1: Okay, so maybe this will be the lead into a Teen Wolf the Next Generation type scenario
3: yeah, maybe although if jeff has his hands full with wolf pack which is a different well show and also i think the fandom has kind of made it clear that we kind of didn't care about another generation because that's what some of season five and definitely all of season six was was new characters it just did not gel people did not respond to it very well and it kind of died a mediocre death. So I don't think we'd want that, basically. The person who made this show was Dylan O'Brien. And so especially if he's not back for this film, I just don't see a future for this show, this world. The film would have to be extraordinary. <laughs> I don't know that I'm not expecting that, but I'm also not not expecting that, if that makes sense. Just I'm going in their very measured expectations.
1: My guess would be if they did get him back, they'd try and keep it as a surprise until the actual viewing of the film. But then again, these things always leak, don't they? You always get someone that spotted someone on set or whatever. Let's look back to the saga that accompanied Spider-Man No Way Home.
3: Oh my gosh. With
1: everybody lying about the fact that they were in it. Well, I say everybody, Andrew Garfield.
3: Andrew Garfield.
1: <laughs> Toby Maguire just declined to appear in public at all, so no one could ask him. So he escaped that, but Andrew Garfield was unlucky to be in like six films at the time or something, and every time he did promotional work for anything, he was oh, always were asked.
3: Were you in Spider-Man and he'd be like, oh no, definitely not, absolutely not in that movie. It's the same as the Cumberbatch-Con situation with Star Trek, trying to keep something That's very obvious a secret. Very rarely works out.
1: Or Christoph Waltz's Blofeld.
3: Oh my gosh, yeah, same thing. Come on.
1: No, I'm not playing Khan, I'm playing John Harrison. Definitely
3: not Khan. Absolutely not him.
1: But why would you have to invoke the name of Star Trek into darkness? I was having a zen evening until you said that. I'm so sorry listen to me rant about star trek picard trailers either earlier or later in this podcast i haven't decided yet where the placement (laughs) of all these things is so teen wolf the movie you are excited tentatively excited it seems
3: i would say so yeah
1: cool i wonder if we'll get any more trailers for you to comment on between now and january i'm not a fan of this at all as in i've never seen it but i would hope not because sometimes you can just be oversaturated with stuff it's a couple of months away
3: Absolutely. Yeah, too many trailers. One is enough. I'd rather the trailer give me a sense of the mood you're going for, the vibes. What is the vibe of the movie? I don't need to get the entire plot, point by point, summarized within the trailer. I want to actually watch the movie. There's something about recent trailers by recent I mean 10 years even there is a tendency to just vomit the entire movie but in short form onto the trailer and just kind of go yep come see it and a lot of the time I'm like do you know what I don't need to I'm okay thanks I don't think I'll like this or give away a
1: surprise that would be nice to get in the cinema
3: because it's the only interesting thing about the movie a lot <laughs> of the time it's like what can we use to tantalize and make people want to come see this what's interesting Uh, I don't know this guy's in it okay great and it's like well there goes the one interesting reveal in your movie and then the rest of it's kind of blasé and passable and very predictable
1: yeah i'm just thinking back to thor ragnarok and if we hadn't known that the hulk was in it until he appeared in the scene that he appears in Mm -hmm. but then you have to announce that mark ruffalo's in it because contracts and stuff yeah but it'd be nice to just be in the cinema and There he is, and oh god, he's in the rest of the film, that's nice. But no, we can't be surprised anymore, and it's possible to avoid these things as well. Even if you stay off social media, you just find out these things somehow.
3: I have a kind of magical way of staying away from spoilers. Like, for some reason, I still haven't been spoiled about anything that happens in the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, which I haven't seen yet, and nobody has told me anything about it and so I'm just blissfully unaware until such time as I can sit down and actually watch it. It's been out for a few weeks and I haven't heard anything. Is that good? Is it bad? Who knows?
1: (laughs) The thing about that show is that it seems to have oddly no cultural footprint as in it's not being widely talked about in the same way that other shows might be so that could be part of it. I'm not going to tell you my view on the show at this point. I will wait until you've seen at least some of it.
3: Sure. Yeah. Before
1: we discuss that. Or you could just listen to an earlier part of this podcast where I run down what TV shows and stuff I've been watching because mm. that's one of them. But I don't think it's been widely discussed. I get a lot of my social media knowledge third hand through Discord servers that I'm in and things and It doesn't seem like it well talked about. It's same with the Game of Thrones thing. It doesn't seem to be generating the same kind of buzz.
3: The Game of Thrones thing in particular, I've only seen like half an episode. I try to watch it on a plane, and the first episode is already so grim. (laughs) that I was like, do you know what? I think I'm not going to finish this. (laughs) And I just stopped because something really gruesome was about to happen. And I was like, I, first of all, don't feel like watching this in a plane full of people. (laughs) And second of all, I don't know that I can stomach this right now.
1: Some four-year-old child peering over your shoulder.
3: Yeah, it's just like, I think I'm just going to leave this for later. (laughs) And I just haven't picked this back up. I have seen people talk about it. And obviously the shadow of... Game of Thrones looms over it. And there's a lot of conversation about comparing the two, comparing in particular the violence, in particular how interesting. A prequel is when a lot of the stuff that made Game of Thrones great is absent from this. But it's stuff that I kind of knew because I'm familiar with the story that this adapts. It's interesting that that's the entire conversation about that show. Is it as good? And people just kind of go, no. Is it as bad? "Mm, No. And it's just kind of like, yeah. Oh, there has been some backlash within game of thrones fandom in particular which is a <laughs> a spicy meatball for another time and that's kind of it extremely quiet for something that was definitely anticipated and had an inbuilt viewer base
1: and got possibly the biggest viewer base for a pilot that has been in a long time judging by that video of everybody's tvs lighting up at the exact same time in a building
3: I love that. (laughs) It's great.
1: Anyway, moving on to something else. Netflix's Avatar, not the James Cameron one, The Last Airbender. That's the title. Netflix's Avatar, brackets, (laughs) not the James Cameron one, colon, The Last Airbender. They have a (laughs) cast and it's quite a cast. They've added 20 actors. I don't necessarily know that we'll go through all of them because there are a lot. And I know nothing about this, really. I haven't seen any of it. Not the original anime, not the awful film that everybody hates.
3: <laughs> so
1: I'm doing okay there, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but looking at some of the names, so you've got Amber Midthunder, who was recently in Prey and mm-hmm. the Roswell remake as Princess Yu, the compassionate spiritual leader of the Northern Water Tribe.
3: I'm very excited for this casting, actually. Actually, a lot of the casting that was announced recently and Just looking at the list overall, it bodes very well. Something that the original show, I don't know if I would call it an anime because it's a Western animation, but the Nickelodeon show in any case, it features a very diverse set of characters. It is all inspired by various areas in Asia. Nothing corresponds exactly 100%. And it's just great to see that they've taken such great care to reflect the racial diversity within the original show. By casting a lot of Native people for, in particular, the Water Tribe, because that was heavily coded as Native American or First Nations or in that kind of vein. But also just seeing all the Asian characters being cast, first of all, everyone looks exactly correct and perfect I just can't wait I can't wait to see that it imbues the show with a level of care that the I'm not Shyamalan movie just did not have (laughs) it was just terrible there was just overt racism in just the casting of that film and in the changes that they made with the plot it was just not good And there's a lot that can be said about the Nickelodeon show. It is geared toward a younger audience. I would cast it as a middle grade kind of vibe. So, you know, 12 and up. So for a lot of people, the tone is quite childish and they may bounce off it at first. But once you just get used to the tone of it, it actually can get quite dark. And it's very well plotted. I think there's a lot of heart in its message and what it tries to say. Now, I haven't seen Legend of Korra, and I've heard mixed reviews from people I know about how it handles the continuation of the Avatar story.
1: Okay, so that's a sequel.
3: Legend of Korra absolutely is, yes. It takes place much further in the future of that world. It's more of a science fantasy type thing. It kind of veers into steampunky elements, I think. But just going back to this Netflix adaptation, it just seems like this is the approach we have been waiting for. And I'm very, very on board for it. Arden Cho is well someone who was in Teen Wolf, actually. <laughs>
1: it's all connected.
3: Yeah, and she's been doing a lot of work with more physical combat-based type things in her more recent work. So it'll be interesting to see her in this show. And also, something I'm very excited about, and I think a lot of the fans of the original Nickelodeon animation will be, is that the cabbage guy is back. (laughs) There's this one guy who keeps returning. He's a background character. He's like a traveling merchant, and he sells cabbages. He grows cabbages, and he sells them. And he just loves them very much. He's always featured in the background of various market scenes, just holding his cabbages, being like, oh, yes, (laughs) I grew these with love. Would you like to have a cabbage? And uh, through the shenanigans that Aang and his posse get into, the running gag in the animated show is that... The Cabbage Merchant's stall always ends up destroyed and the cabbages get flung all over the place. And he's always like, oh, no, my cabbages. (laughs) And they cast the voice actor as the Cabbage Guy. So he's back. He's the original Cabbage Guy. That's how you know these people care because (laughs) it's such an obscure thing that if you weren't in love with the show and part of the subculture that formed around it, even years and years after it aired, there's just been a lot of really vibrant online fandom for Avatar. And these people are clued in, and I have a good feeling about it.
1: Looking at the announcement picture that was released that has the actors with little thumbnail images of the people that are playing, I'm interested to see how they'll pull that off visually because some of it's quite out there, particularly George Takei's character, George Takei's in this, so that'll be at least an interesting vocal experience, as it usually is.
3: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I know with Netflix's animation, anime adaptations, Cowboy Bebop wasn't all that well received. So I wonder if there's trepidation around it because of that.
3: Maybe. On a personal level, this isn't the same, I would say. Because we've already had the shit. <laughs> the adaptation. This is a chance to get it right. So I don't think that even from the outset, I don't think that this show was met with the same level of derision before it's even released. Because Cowboy Bebop, when that was even in production, people were like, we don't want this. The show is perfect. Why would you adapt it? And when they did adapt it and it was not great, people were like, well, see, we were right. (laughs) We didn't want this and we still don't want this. And it was also trying to do a couple of, I would say, diametrically opposed things. It was trying to do both the shot for shot replication of the animated show. And also, how about we take this and tweak it and make it better? Are you trying to build on the original with your own take, or is this a shot-for-shot remake? Which do you want? You can't have both. Hmm. And because they tried to have both, that's where I think the disconnect originated. Some of the shot-for-shot stuff was pretty good, actually. And some of the changes that they made, I could see where it was coming from and what the intent was, perhaps. But the two just didn't gel together. I don't even think I finished it. I was like, I think I'm okay, thank you. Even though I like quite a lot of the cast quite a bit, and it looked great. It was shot very nicely. It just looked really good. But what's the point?
1: Yeah, I saw the trailer and it was doing things like picking up the divider between panels and hitting people with it and all sorts of weird stylish stuff like that. I didn't watch the show itself because I wasn't that interested in it, but... It seems stylishly quite good, but sometimes when you throw style at something, they just deploy it really badly.
3: A lot of that came from the show itself, the animated show. It is extremely high concept. It's a show made for fans of noir-type things, but it has a distinct Japanese slant to it. The sci-fi is really strong, but also not what the focus is on. They took some of that stuff into the Netflix show, and it worked. But then they were like, oh, how about we take this one character who is the villain and he's really interesting and just kind of make them a snivelly wimp. (laughs) And how about we take the romantic interest of the main character and just change her entire story and change what makes her compelling and change what makes their romance compelling. There was just a lot of that sort of thing that I was like, why are you trying to mess with a pretty good thing? So I don't think that's what they're trying to do with Avatar If the casting is anything to go by, just seeing how careful they're being about not messing that up. There is a little bit of chatter about even within households, they're casting people who are meant to be related, but they're from drastically different Asian backgrounds. There's Japanese people and Korean people and Chinese people, and it's like, "Mm, Asia is not a monolith. And especially if these characters are meant to be related, what does this casting choice say? But at the same time, at the very least, it's not like we're casting light-skinned actors to be the good guys and dark-skinned actors to be the bad guys, because that's what happened in the movie we don't talk about. Baby steps, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what you described there happens quite a lot in Western-made stuff. Good God. We're looking for Asian actors. It doesn't matter where they come from or where their heritage comes from. It's just Asian. And here's a bunch of Asian characters that we can fill up with Asian actors and away we go. And that's the end of it. It's getting a bit like that with First Nations as well. Yeah. At the moment. I mean, there's a lot more First Nations representation in film and TV. Amber Midthunder's Star is Rising at the moment.
3: Yeah, it is. And that's great. It's so good. I was actually really hoping that after the uproarious success that Prey had, that we would actually get to see more of her. And it's great that it's going to be so soon, especially for like, something action-based and cool like Avatar is. Although her character's not very actiony, not very much actually. But it'll be great to see her though. Maybe
1: in this version she will be.
3: Who knows? I quite like the subplot with her character, so it'll be good.
1: Yeah, I've loved her and everything I've seen her in. And that includes the C.W. Roswell show, which is kind of hilarious, actually, if, you, if you've ever seen watch <laughs> it. She was great in Legion, the Fox X-Men-ish show, as it was. Yeah. The show where you can pay attention to every second of it and still not understand a single thing it was doing. You can listen to several podcast breakdowns where me, Aaron and Chris in various configurations sit there and try and figure out what we just watched. <laughs> that about describes legion i think but yeah looking at his cast list great george takei i'm always a fan whenever he turns up in something but i'm a star sure. trek fan so of course mm-hmm. i'm gonna be danny Pudi. great stuff i'm guessing he'll be a funny character he looked quite whimsical in his little thumbnail stroking his beard
3: yeah, I think so. I don't remember him being on screen for too long, so it's more of like a one-episode feature kind of thing.
1: Which may be beefed up for this. Who knows? Adaptation and all that. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all the names. You can read them. The link is in the show notes. As you say, Arden Cho, who was in Team Wolf. I'm sure I've seen her in other stuff as well.
3: Yeah, she was in Chicago PD, I think, or Chicago Med. It wouldn't be that. And more recently, I just remember she was saying on Twitter, please help us get renewed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because that always goes so well.
3: The eternal struggle.
1: The calls for renewing a show. Never fail. (laughs) Still waiting for season five of Enterprise. Hashtag renew Enterprise is probably still a thing. (laughs) So you're excited about this based on the cast alone. I'm guessing we'll see more in the near future. One thing I did notice was the casting announcement, the block of actors. It reminded me of the announcement of Sandman. It just looks a lot like it. And they have all the pronouns as well of the actors Mm -hmm. in the... Announcement, which I thought was a Neil Gaiman-insistent thing for the Netflix thing, but maybe Netflix have just adopted it as their norm from here on out.
3: I think the list I was looking at was on a different website. Okay. So I haven't noticed the pronouns and stuff, but I think it is a good practice to get into, especially... As you get into, oh yeah, there we go, I found the actual listing. I think it's a good practice to get into, especially as you start casting people who may not use the pronouns that you assume. And so it's just a good thing to do, and it's inclusive. And it reminds you that, hey, don't assume things. You just don't. That's all it is, I think.
1: Of the eight featured in the image, all of them. Have the pronouns I would have assumed for them.
3: Yes, but it's just a kind thing to do, and it sends a message to the trans community that we're with you on this.
1: Normalizes it. Exactly. And baits all these people online to call it out for being woke and whatever else.
3: <sighs> Don't even get me started. Is it bad to be awakened to the Various things that people go through. Is it bad to be sensitive to other people's experience? Good God. People
1: just don't want to shove down their throat, Kat. That's what it is.
3: That's it, it, isn't it? Mm.
1: They're not absolutely shoving their values down anybody else's throat by saying that. (laughs) Hypocrisy. What's that? You probably can't even spell (laughs) the word. Anyway, cool. So that was a good insight into that. It told me a bit more about it than I knew before. Like I said, I only knew it by reputation. Mm. And some of the pictures look familiar, actually.
3: Like I said, it has a lot of online love. I think there were a lot of memes that came out even in the last decade, way after the film adaptation and everything. There was just a resurgence, I think, when Avatar got put on Netflix the first time and people started discovering it and it just gained new life. And that alone has been great, and I would wholeheartedly recommend it. If you just give it a few episodes to just get used to the tone, it won't matter. I'll say this because it mattered to me at first. I was like, oh, it's a show for kids. I don't think I could get into it. But no, I definitely did. It's very well done and very well written.
1: I watch a lot of cartoons, and my favourite Star Trek show currently is aimed at kids. So there we go.
3: Yeah. Oh, well, great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for... Taking time out from your howling at the full moon to discuss this or these things.
3: Thank you very much. I'm going to go continue doing just that.
1: Yeah, it's got to be done. I will tell Isaac it's safe to come out now.
3: Sorry, Isaac.
0: It's safe to come out now. She's gone. But I'm whispering. Okay, fine. <laughs> talk about more things, I guess. We'll talk
1: about more things, yeah. Such as life. We got some insight into Team Wolf and the... Avatar The Last Airbender, Netflix stuff, if you were interested. So there we go. That's what we were talking about there. We were hiding under a log or something.
0: Yep. Good old, cosy log.
1: (laughs) Let's move on to Marvel, one of the pillars of Neil Before blog slash pod. The first thing that we have to talk about is that Armor Wars is no longer a TV show. It will now be a movie with Don Cheadle in the lead role. Presumably it will be a riff on the comic story where Tony Stark is sick of people stealing his stuff and goes to, to disable all his tech that's being misused by people that aren't authorized to use it what do you think of the shift from tv show to film on this one
0: forgotten about it
1: it seemed like marvel had to be fair because it didn't appear on their listings
0: yeah obviously they know what they're doing and they know if the story works better as a one chunk two hour thing sort of episodic then sure whatever's best for the project i guess
1: i saw some people suggesting that rhodi might not be Leading man material for the MCU, but I reject that notion. He's been around since Iron Man two, so he's been around almost since this whole thing started. He's a character that fans like. Certainly, I like him, and giving him his own leading project—why not? Don Cheadle is more than capable.
0: Go. No reason why not.
1: I think notionally, I prefer this idea to a TV series because a TV series, and I imagine it wouldn't be this, but. To me, it runs the risk of every episode as I'm hunting down the Crimson Dynamo or other Iron Man villains that we've not seen yet, and he essentially fights a boss battle at the end of every episode until he fights the big boss at the end of the final episode.
0: Yeah. Scripts get reworked and things get reworked to what is best for the way to tell a story. And in this case, it just appears that it's changed from TV show to film, so it's nice that with all their planning and things that go into the phases and stuff, that they're still able to have some way of saying, oh yeah, this is the best way to tell this story and this is what we need to do. So there's still space for change if these things need to be changed.
1: Yeah, well, you had that where they announced a bunch of release date changes recently as well, where you had mere days after the announcement of the Deadpool movie's release date, they pushed it back a couple of months so that all that marketing was kind of undone. But no one really bothered about when it comes out at this stage because it's far enough away. And maybe Hugh Jackman had... One too many cheat days, and he he needs a couple of extra months to get back in shape.
0: When it's several years away, it's easy to be patient for several years and a bit.
1: Yeah, plus it's only an extra couple of months. And that Avengers movie that was supposed to come out the same year as another Avengers movie is now not coming out the same year as another Avengers movie.
0: That's smart, because that's too much Avengers (laughs) movies.
1: It seems like a stupid idea to put them in the same year. Plus, maybe the VFX company said, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing two in one year. Stop will die. Moving on, we have some casting, or recasting, actually. Harrison Ford is going to be taking over the role of Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross from William Hurt, and will be in Captain America New World Order, as well as the Thunderbolts, funnily enough. So instead of being a new character that essentially performs the same function, he's picking up a role that someone else has been doing. I'm not sure how I feel about this, actually. Not that William Hurt was iconic in that role or anything like that, but... They could have just been his cousin or colleague or something.
0: They recast the Hulk in the past and the recast War Machine. I don't think this is too much of a problem. If you want to use a Thunderbolt Ross character, then obviously a yeah, William Hurt sadly passed away and as long as he's happy to do it, then sure.
1: Do you think he's happy to do it? Do you think Harrison Ford's ever happy to do anything?
0: I think he's happy to not do Star Wars. <laughs> do other things, even if it's still big budget things that dog movie.
1: Yeah, it's really weird when you, you see it, because you get two Harrison Fords, you get the one that just doesn't care, and obviously doesn't care, but he's there for the paycheck. And then you get the one where he seems to be a bit more animated and into what he's doing, and no idea what this will be.
0: I don't think I've seen any of the movies with Thunderbolt Ross in.
1: He is in The Incredible Hulk, he's in Civil War, and he's in Infinity War. And Black Widow. I think
0: it's just a man in the suit. <laughs> There's lots of those.
1: With a moustache. Yeah. What I think they're going to do here is they're going to probably film a lot of material very quickly with him in one location. So he'll be in his office doing a lot of video calls or he'll be a hologram.
0: Maybe a few holograms, but you might want to be more action centric. He might want a bit more of a meteor roll.
1: Yeah, but by the time this comes out, he'll be like 92 years old or something like
0: that. He'll give it a go. he still crashes planes. So he'll be like, I want to crush the biggest, the most expensive plane Disney have.
1: I want to crash a helicarrier.
0: I'm going to crash a carry. <laughs> Build one for real and let me crash it.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they'll scan him into their system and create Red Hulk out of him, so then all they need is a voice after that. And then all they need is AI-generated voice, so they don't even need him anymore after that probably. I can't wait till he's doing interviews and red carpet stuff and gets asked about things like Red Hulk and other Marvel minutiae and he just won't give a toss. He just will not care.
0: That's fine, i will have to care.
1: But I always find it funny when people ask Harrison Ford the question about something nerdy and he just turns to them and says, I have no idea what you're talking about and do not care. It's The famous one with his appearance
0: in Rise of Skywalker,
1: were you a force coast or were you a hallucination? He's like, I don't know and I don't care. That was the end of the
0: conversation. I prefer the Mark Hamill enthusiasm. It just feels a bit lazy. If you don't want to do the movie, just don't do it. <laughs> you're rich anyway.
1: I suppose when it comes to doing the film, that's one thing. But then when it comes to doing the promo for it, and I suppose he doesn't have to do that, but when he does the promo for other films and then gets asked about these other projects, then he just turns around and says, I really don't care about what you're asking me here. You can see where he's coming from. I quite like the curmudgeonly approach. I think he's earned it, to be fair, but I don't ever feel like he's nasty about it. He just shoots it down so that there's no further questions.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is fair enough. But Harrison Ford, I've always liked Harrison Ford, so seeing him join the MCU will be enjoyable to some degree. But yeah, I think he'll be doing a lot of hologram stuff. So he won't actually share any screen time with anybody. We'll see. The Thunderbolts will be preparing for a mission and they'll be in their dropship or whatever and he'll appear as a hologram and be like, right guys, your mission is to sneak in and beat up this guy. Ghost, walk through the wall. Everyone else, punch people. Abomination, you're not supposed to be here, etc. Yeah. Less good news is the Blade movie has been put on pause as they just start again. Throw out what they did before and start again because apparently what they had before wasn't good enough. So that's kind of concerning. We talked about this last month as well. Mahershala Ali apparently talked about how he wasn't happy with how the production was going. The script was... 90 pages long or something and only contain two lacklustre action sequences. It sounds like they should have done better than that by now.
0: I mean, if it's bad, then don't release a bad thing. If you need to reschedule it it's good that you'd know now. Instead of releasing Black Adam again.
1: Instead of releasing something that looks like a made-for-TV movie or something like that. Hopefully they'll rework it properly. It's concerning that they got that far into production and decided this sucks and then threw it out.
0: I suppose the stars, they're not consulted on the writing, they just get the script, and like, no, this is garbage. Then pre production is a very obviously thing, and obviously, he's got other movies to film. It might sound good when you make when they're writing it, and then when yeah, they come to actually do filming stuff, is like, this doesn't work, this isn't going to gel, then yes, yeah, I suppose it's just how it is.
1: Just when you think about how long ago this was announced, because it was announced at the same time as WandaVision and so on, I think.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, so and that's a while ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Take your time,
1: there's no rush. Turn it into something good. Go for it. Let us move over to the DC Universe, where there's some things happening. Although also not a lot happening, because Warner Brothers apparently has no money to do anything. They're giving all their money to The Rock. I think so, yeah. Or Olivia Wilde. They're the only people receiving money from Warner Brothers. DC News is something you might find quite exciting. Henry Cavill is officially back as Superman. Yes. He will be donning the red and blue tights. They're not tights. I don't know how you could describe what his costume's
0: made of. But he's back. He's back spacey thing. Yeah, he's back. That's nice. I hope he gets a nice movie where he can be Superman. Yes,
1: well, they're apparently an active development of a Man of Steel 2, although I imagine it would just be a Superman movie that has no connection to what has come before, because that seems to be what they're all about now. Let's just make a film. They're about to start their 10-year plan, but did Black Adam start their 10-year plan? Don't think it counts as a spoiler by this point because The Rock was just telling everybody. Superman appears in the post-credit scene for Black Adam. Henry Cavill actually appears. Not like in Shazam, where it was from the neck down. You never saw his head. So it was just some stunt guy in the, the costume.
0: I want to see a good Superman movie. I don't think he's had one really yet.
1: I think Man of Steel was promising.
0: Yeah, we can just be sort of optimistic and hopeful and a bit more superman
1: Did you see his Instagram video announcing his return? No. It's worth checking out. It'll be in the show notes. He basically says that you want to wait till the end of the weekend to give everybody the chance to see Black Adam. Because let's face it, if you're going to see it, you're going to see it opening weekend. Otherwise, you're not going to see it at all. I think it's that kind of film. Yeah. But one of the things he said, and this was quoted in the article I've linked to, Very small taste of what's to come, my friends. The dawn of hope renewed. Thank you for your patience. It will be rewarded. So it seems he's really excited to be being back. And The Rock seems to be pushing for this for a long time as well. That's good. Mostly because he wants to fight Superman, I guess.
0: That would be boring. boring. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we we got two movies where he can just do his own thing as well.
1: Yeah, I don't really want a Black Adam versus Superman movie because it's just going to be two invulnerable people hitting each other and then The Rock will win.
0: Yeah. The fun of Superman isn't that he's super strong, it's that he is Clark Kent and in most ways he's just a guy. As well as being Superman, he also has a life and falls in love and works in an office and, you know, he's relatable. He's a more relatable character than like a Batman or anyone. So it's fun to see. I want to see a proper Superman where they sort of lean into that side as well as his able to stop trains and stuff.
1: Something that the... Snyder movies outside of Man of Steel weren't really interested in.
0: I think even in Man of Steel.
1: Well, it was about building them to that point where he had the setup and then they do a bit with the setup in BVS and then they kind of abandon it a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, ignore it. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him have a hopeful go.
1: Yeah, although I do think it is quite hard to buy Henry Cavill as just your average office worker because it's just Henry Cavill sitting there with a pair of glasses just trying to blend in.
0: Daily Planet might have a gem. He <laughs> just really likes to
1: use it. Yeah, he's never at his desk. He's always at the gym. That's what he's doing. Who knows. But I'm excited about that. I like Henry Cavill's Superman, and it seems like that's the only Superman we're going to get for a while other than Tyler Hecklin. I don't know whether the Michael B. Jordan Takahashi Coates project is still happening or not. Probably not, because anything that's not white got thrown out of Warner Brothers recently. So,
0: it's safe to assume if The Rock doesn't okay it, it's gone.
1: It's the rock-running Warner Brothers. Is that what's happening here? So, yeah. He's just like, I want to fight Superman. I want to beat up Henry Cavill. Make it happen. Warner Brothers execs, and then they make it happen.
0: I mean, that's currently what's
1: happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to Star Wars. We have a couple of bits of news here. There is a secret Star Wars film from Damon Lindelof, and they have set one of the Ms. Marvel directors, Charmaine Obeyed, Shinoi as the director. They haven't really said what the film is about, but Ms. Marvel was good, so putting one of the directors there. I don't really like what Damon Lindelof does, so having him on Star Wars, I don't know.
0: Like I said, we know basically nothing other than those two names, and Star Wars is getting more diverse, so we'll have to wait and see until we find out more about this to chew into it.
1: And let's face it, it might go the way of Rogue Squadron, as in nowhere. Exactly. What and this one is a rumour that's to be taken with a pinch of salt That is probably true. Lars Mikkelsen, who voiced Grand Admiral Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels, will be actually playing the character in live action in Rebels next season, Ahsoka.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, although they've recast everybody else, so it's curious that they're actually going after him.
0: They went with Rosario Dawson for a while for Ahsoka, and that ended up happening, so I think it's a keen fit. For- him to do the role again and if he's up for it then i can see that being more likely than not
1: we'll soon find out i suppose because i think ahsoka's not that far away
0: no it's, it's coming up i think it's early next
1: year something like that yeah so that's some star wars stuff that's ticking along yeah okay do you want to amuse yourself for a few minutes and i will beam chris aboard to talk about star trek like i do every month
0: okay i'll run away <laughs> run away i hide under the log again <laughs>
1: hide under the log while we talk about star trek
0: exactly Bye-bye.
1: Chris it's that time again to talk about Star Trek it feels like every month we're talking about new Star Trek stuff and we're complaining about this are we I'm
2: not no I can't complain about having Star Trek news to talk about that feels wrong after years of having none Trek news to talk about I agree Spock it's been terrible <laughs> after Ages of having no Star Trek news to talk about. I will never complain about having Star Trek news to discuss with you.
1: We're here where there's more stuff. We have two trailers and two bits of news about things that aren't happening. Seems a bit weird to talk about things that aren't happening, but they're interesting in some ways, so we'll do that. Let's start with Discovery Season 5. New York Comic Con was a treasure trove of stuff. There wasn't actually that much, but we got three Star Trek things, one of which we're not going to discuss because prodigy is on by the time this podcast goes out so it's redundant to talk about a trailer where some of that footage might have already been screened so we'll just focus on the things that are a ways off so discovery season five less than a minute of stuff but what did you think
2: it's quite exciting looking isn't it discovery normally do quite well with their trailers i'm trying to think back of different trailers that they've had in the past but they throw a lot of action up on the screen here they're teasing it as a treasure hunt i guess it's got kind of Indiana Jones vibes somehow yes. for Star Trek. There's a lot of solving a puzzle box and going about on speeder bikes and the sand and things like that, which kind of make you think of a puzzle quest, uh, a hunter gizmo thing. The greatest treasure.
1: <laughs> the greatest treasure was the friends we made along the way.
2: <laughs> That's what it says inside the treasure box when you open it.
1: Well, that would be Discovery's
2: message, wouldn't it? <laughs> the treasure was what we had inside of us all along.
1: They just open the box and it's a mirror. You're the treasure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or just a picture of Burnham. Yeah. Burnham, you are the treasure.
1: So glad we jumped around half the galaxy for this. <laughs>
2: It does look very cool. I like a lot of the teaser stuff. We get to see Tilly. Tilly's back, which we kind of knew from the behind-the-scenes-y stuff that we talked about last month.
1: Yes. She was hanging around on set on the set tour that we talked about last month, and she's in this trailer as well, just standing there smiling.
2: Indeedy. But we now know it's 100% official and she's there. So,
1: yay. Yeah. Doing what? We don't know. Will she be there with our students? Will she be on the Discovery again? Who knows? It seems like Discovery has become this, well, it's still on the ship obviously the show is but they're based at starfleet or federation headquarters and they go out and then go home at the end of the shift and get given another assignment which is a little bit different as well we've never really seen a show about a ship that's based somewhere that then gets Hmm. given assignments from this home base i mean deep space 9 sort of but deep space 9 was the station it wasn't the ship
2: yeah i guess so occasionally you had We've been called to Starbase blah blah to look at a thing. I think the similar Starbases popped up every once in a while, but yeah, you didn't really get them based from one location.
1: The last season of Enterprise, they were kind of jumping away from Earth. Although they were out there most of the time, but they tended to go back to Earth quite often. But yeah, we've got an Indiana Jones style quest. I really hope it's not an artifact that can destroy the known universe but I wouldn't be surprised because it's discovery and that's what they like to do. (laughs) We have to find this thing, otherwise it'll blow up the universe for
2: some reason. It turns out it's the key to a machine that also destroys the universe, but when they first set out to find the key, they didn't know it was a key for the machine that destroys the universe. Plot twist.
1: Yeah, some cool visuals. You talked about the speeder bikes. You've got Burnham hanging on a ship as it's flying through the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of a planet. So lots of exciting we've used the volume again type visual mastery.
2: Yes, and you get lots of moments between different individual members of the crew as well.
1: I actually think the volume is better used for stuff like that where you're not trying to recreate an environment as such, you're trying to recreate or you're trying to create a space exterior or something like that to give you the scope of it rather than we're trying to pretend we're in a desert but nobody's hair is blowing in the wind or whatever. It's just there's a desert backdrop and nobody's sweating or anything. I think stuff like this is a better use of the volume.
2: Oh yeah, it can definitely depend on its use. There's ways to use it, I think.
1: Yeah. We have some new characters that I've taken notes on. We have three new characters, one of which is played by Eve Harlow. She plays someone called Maul, or Mole. who knows, don't know how to pronounce it. And Elias Tufixis, who plays Laak. They're both former couriers, like Book, basically, or when Burnham did it for that year that we didn't see, that was then turned into a novel that I didn't read. So I don't know anything about that. Eve Harlow, you might recognise as Tess in Season 5 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In the first half, she was one of the people in the future.
2: I don't really remember that far back. I'd be struggling to call out a character called Tess. I'm sure if I uh, see a picture, I'll be like, oh, them.
1: She was also Maya in The Hundred, and she was Taylor in Heroes Reborn, which is something that I'd like to forget. Amber in a show called Bitten, and I'll explain why I referenced that Specifically, because the other guy, he was in Bitten as well. He played someone called Joey, and she Ah. was Amber. I don't know if they ever shared any screen time, but they were both in the same show. Elias Fixes has done lots of voice roles. He plays the Penguin in the Gotham Knights video game that is out as of time of release of this podcast. The video game, not the TV show. The important distinction there, he's the Penguin (laughs) there. He was replicator in two episodes of Stargate Atlantis. Don't know what that is. Ah, okay. I suspect it's some kind of nameless henchman or something. I don't know.
2: It was just different human forms sort of replicating little nanite robots that then form a person and did sneaky shenanigans and wanted to destroy all humans.
1: Cool. Okay. <laughs> so we're getting two new Courier characters, which could be interesting. I don't know. Depends what they do with them. Book was a good addition, so they could be as well.
2: Yeah, it could be. The thing is, space is big, there's lots of people in it, so it's nice every once in a while to get a little rotation of new people. They don't need to be there for the next ten seasons or whatever. It's nice having a little rotation and different people to bounce off of and to shake up the dynamic on board a little bit.
1: Yeah, and another new character, Captain Rainer, played by Caleb Keith Rennie, who was Leobin in Battlestar Galactica. So... Shifted sort of a guy at least in that show he was also a pirate ship captain in an episode of legends of tomorrow in the much decried first season so probably don't want to talk about that too much (laughs) he's self-described as gruff and he seems to be a man having a difficult time transitioning from a time of war to a time of peace i'm not going to suggest that he might be a villain now based on who he's previously played but he seems to like playing those morally ambiguous characters. So I guess we'll find out. Although I think we've had our fill of in Discovery captains that started off shifty and became bad. So let's not do that again, maybe. But it's good to see him again. It's funny how they've dug into that repository of Canadian actors and dug him up.
2: (laughs) I like that description of the casting process.
1: (laughs) Well, you saw that in Picard when you had James Callis turn up as picard's father spoilers for season two of picard
2: we have this big box of canadian sci-fi actors. every once in a while we shake the box a little and see what comes out
1: <laughs> in that case he was british but actors who live in canada that appear in <laughs> sci-fi projects i don't even know if he does live in canada i'm just assuming he does <laughs> when you watch as much cw stuff as we do you start to see the same faces crop up all over the place and mm. it's because we live in vancouver and that's where the work is which is where discovery is made Hmm. so yeah looks good there's not a lot you can tell from a minute but cool these were all from the press release these character descriptions other than that you've got the usual Oded Fair as Admiral what's his name the not evil Admiral yeah Oded Fair as the not evil Admiral and I presume you'll have others that we've seen back and forth the president maybe or maybe she's not there anymore
2: no no I think we saw her in the trailer
1: oh yeah so she'll be there cool that's out next year and uh, we'll be watching it let's face it We've watched it up to this point. I've enjoyed
2: Discovery, especially the latter season so they've won me over a bit so I'll definitely be watching.
1: Yeah, be very nice if it's not the end of the universe plot again. Be really nice to get away from that.
2: That would be a nice break.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Picard Season 3. We've got a more extensive trailer. What did you think of this trailer? Uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. Every time I've seen the teaser stuff of Picard, I've always went, I want more. And <laughs> I watch this and I go, I still don't really know what's going on. But yeah, you kind of get the hint that it's someone hunting down the crew and trying to seek a bit of revenge, and then you've got lots of I'm going to get you, Picard, <laughs> on the screen. After the last two seasons, opposite of Discovery, Picard has just kind of lost me. The thing is they keep saying this is the final one, so I'm like, well, I might as well complete it at this point.
1: (laughs) Well, at New York Comic Con, Jonathan Frakes said, oh, this isn't necessarily the end. No, Jonathan, don't do this to us. Good grief. for misery. No (laughs) no more. (laughs) Who knows, though? Maybe they'll recapture the magic this season. We'll be coming out of it and going, yes, give us another 10 seasons or give us another 10 films of this cast. I doubt it, but it could happen.
2: Yeah, they get the emergency message from Crusher. Someone's hunting them down. And that's what brings him, not out of retirement, but out of seclusion, I guess? I don't know. Out of his pub lunch. <laughs> he appears to be out enjoying. They have disturbed his pub lunch. I like that he just starts all these shows in a bar now. That's <laughs> the way Picard now gets all his missions. Where are you going to find him? Oh, he's in the pub again.
1: Picard says, I have to go now. It's three courses for £11. <laughs> I'm like,
2: yes, jean It cannot wait. <laughs> it cannot wait. It's 11 courses for free. <laughs> we need you and someone's planting down the crew and that's the reason to unite them all we kind of suspected that a little bit that we were saying it's gonna have to be something related to the rest of the crew in order to bring them all in because otherwise it just doesn't make sense surely there's loads of other people you could call on apart from this lot it's personal for some reason yes
1: (laughs) seems to have absolutely nothing to do with the transwarp conduit that was opened at the end of the last season (laughs) so why was that there It may come up, we just haven't seen it in the trailers, but I'm just wondering, what was the point in that? We were wondering it at the time, but I'm further wondering that, because why (laughs) would you end your season with that if it's not leading into your next season? It's just, oh yeah, there's this thing that leads somewhere that might have a threat behind it. (laughs) <laughs> but we're just not gonna do anything about it right now.
2: Season opens. Admiral's log. Well, the conduit closed and Gerati's <laughs> Borg went through. <laughs> we haven't heard from Anyway, since... Moving on. I'm off for my pub lunch. <laughs> we're
1: just gonna write that one off as glad we didn't have to deal with that. And yeah. that's the end.
2: Cool. Some mysteries will never be explained. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> in other news. I think Lower Dex is gonna cover this one. Yeah, Lord Tex is going to explain all of this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We seem to have another villain driven by revenge. We haven't seen this villain before, so what the connection is to the TNG crew, we don't know. Could be a connection that happened after. Could be She Hates Crusher. Again, we don't know. But it's another vengeance-driven villain in a big black death ship that stands out because we had four films in a row that were about vengeance-driven villains in Big Black Death Ship. And they've already said that this one is inspired by Wrath of Khan, because everything in the Star Trek universe apparently is, that film should be banned from the writer's room of every TV show from now on. You're not allowed to draw inspiration (laughs) from Wrath of Khan anymore. It's done. There's nothing left. In fact, there's plenty left, but you just keep drawing on the same elements. Mm. You can't be trusted with it. Just leave it alone. The casting of the villain, who is called Vadik, is Amanda Plummer, who is the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who was the original series final villain in Star Trek VI? And now she's going to be the TNG final villain. Mm. So that's a bit of symmetry of some sort, I suppose. Oh no, not really. It's just an actor coincidence. But I'd be surprised if that didn't come into play when she was cast they weren't thinking about
2: that i might don't know it might just be one of those coincidences i don't know another revenge plot one they did time travel last season so surely they're not gonna have a villain traveling back in time to get revenge for something that hasn't been done yeah (laughs) 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 you don't know surely not surely it's not another time traveling you're gonna do something or you change something and now i'm after you plot
1: you could have saved us decades ago and you didn't
2: yeah, you chose to leave my ship, or my family's ship, or my parents ship, or my planet's ship to go off and save your own, or you stole something from our planet that caused problems, I don't know. Not wanting to finish the plot already, but it seems like one of those, oh, if only we had realised. Well, you can't take it back now, so you need to die. We do not accept your apologies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got some of Worf he prefers pacifism now which doesn't suggest that he is a pacifist it's just that he'd rather not fight and he seems to be turning his nose up at the concept of violence because you see raffi kicking ass and he says i was once like her probably still are
2: yeah poor wharf you know it's going to end up at some point with him battering the hell out of someone don't you yeah it's just going to be he's not going to get involved not going to get involved not going to get involved and do little things i don't know trip people up and get in the way And then, at some point, he's going to break out and really beat the hell out of someone.
1: Yeah, well, when he says the line about pacifism, he is wearing a Klingon weapon
2: on his back. (laughs) It's for decorative purposes. (laughs) It's merely ceremonial. I think you'll find.
1: It's for intimidation. I hope they'll
2: be afraid of me when they see it. It's the Crayola safety batliff. Yeah. It's like those safety scissors. You can do that no damage <laughs> with it, it's fine.
1: We have Troy stating the obvious again.
2: I've missed Troy stating the obvious.
1: <laughs> she says something about sensing darkness on this ship. I presume yeah. they're on the big black death ship. And she says, mm, I don't like it here. Yeah, you don't need to be psychic to tell us that.
2: Captain, I think they're annoyed with us. <laughs> what part of them firing weapons on us? Did you think we had missed? I'm sensing that we're not entirely
1: safe in this environment. Okay, Troy. Thanks for coming.
2: I think there might be some deeper meaning to what they're saying, Captain. Ah, okay, yeah, sure.
1: There's a bit in the trailer where Picard tells LaForge to gun it. And I really hate it when Picard talks like that. It's just so unhim. him He's like an old guy trying to get down with the kids. Using their lingo.
2: Yeah,
1: It's like last season when he says, Guys... When he thinks he's been caught at the party, he's like, guys, they know I'm here, or whatever it is. No, Picard, you're supposed to be above that. You're supposed to be more eloquent.
2: I'd like to think that Gunnett is them doing, you know how Marvel sometimes will edit something in a trailer to show them in a different outfit, or Force still has his eye patch. Maybe he said engage. And they've just <laughs> overdubbed it with the word gun it. Maybe. That's my little hope. You also had Rikers going, fire everything, pew pew them. And you're sitting there going, oh, come on. <laughs>
1: Riker, what's he like as a captain? He just knows how to tell people to fire all the weapons. <laughs> Question is, are we getting lower decks Riker? Because he's not quite the original Riker. He's tonally altered for lower decks. So what's hmm. he going to be in this? We already kind of know what he's like in this because we saw him with his pizza oven and we saw him briefly in command of a ship.
2: Yeah, that's the important question. Will we see Riker making pizza?
1: I really hope so. He'll set up a pizza bay on the Titan A.
2: Maybe he's moved on from pizza. Maybe he's baking his own bread now.
1: Maybe. He's doing the garlic bread now.
2: (laughs) He's baking bruschetta. That's he's moved on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Another thing that's in the trailer is the Enterprise F, as it is designed in Star Trek Online. So it canonizes, I think it's the Olympus class, the ship is called
2: i will take your word for it
1: so that's two things that have been canonized that were not quite properly canon in live action because they existed between the points where they stopped making star trek and they started making it again the first was a titan which was fully canonized in lord x and now we have the enterprise f which is canonized in this who's in command of it don't know but we will find out mm. that's kind of exciting we have two big reveals of returning characters one of which I expected, one of which I did not. The one I didn't expect was Moriarty because (laughs) it's a pretty stupid thing. This was pointed out to me. I can't take credit for actually coming up with this myself but his appearance in this means that he has appeared in star trek more than he did in actual sherlock holmes stories
2: <laughs> brilliant i love that that's a great little fact of the day that would be a pub quiz question because <laughs> people would think it was a trick question
1: i'm talking about conan doyle sherlock holmes stories mm. i think he's appeared more than twice in sherlock for example
2: yes i was not expecting that it does not make much sense to me and they've kind of used it as the button at the end of the trailer as well which is odd
1: what well, before the button after that
2: the button after the button you know what i mean they've kind of used it as like a tag before the logo thing why this seems odd it doesn't make sense to me i'm sure the episode it will make perfect sense you would be like of course the moriarty's there i guess
1: well it doesn't make sense at all i don't know how well you remember shipping a bottle which was his last appearance, where at the end they essentially left him running on a hard drive and he thought he was in the real world. The idea was he concocted a simulation where the Enterprise crew thought he'd walked out of the holodeck, but it turns out they never left the holodeck. Picard and Data never left the holodeck. I think Barclay as well. And Moriarty concocted this whole fantasy around them. And then at the end they trick him into thinking he's in the real world and flying off, but he's not. He's running on a hard drive somewhere. Mm. So I guess someone finds a hard drive and installs him on something else.
2: I just imagine that hard drive being in with all the sentient computers (laughs) that you see in lore Decks on one of the shelves in there.
1: Yeah, but why would they do that? Why bring him back? What significance is that?
2: Because revenge! I don't know.
1: Yeah, we have to get this hologram back for some reason. We'll find out, but it just seems a bit odd. In the last reveal, we have lore. Returning, everyone wondered what happened to him, where he is and what he's doing. Turns out he's here, and he seems to have aged somehow.
2: Because reasons. Yeah.
1: There's Brent Spiner playing Lore again. I'm okay with this, because when they shoot him in Descent Part 2 and then turn him off, he's never referenced again. Especially when B4 turns up, and B4 is mentioned in the first episode of Picard, but they never say what happened to Lore. You would think that he would get taken away and stored somewhere, because... They had access to him. They weren't just going to leave him there with the Borg that he messed up. So who knows? It makes you wonder who the real villain of this is. Is it Vadik? Is it Moriarty? Or is it Lore?
2: Or is it all of them? Yeah, they're all colluding.
1: It's the masters of evil of Picard. Three people that he's wronged, two of which he remembers, one of which he doesn't.
2: (laughs) I think it's all a ploy. I think it's all Crusher luring them in.
1: Could be. I'd be on board with that. Got to go with that. One thing that sets this apart from last season is that seems that they're in space sometimes
2: that's nice that might be all the space shots though we might have seen them all on the trail maybe yeah <laughs> The entirety of all the space shots
1: and we were wrong about seven of nine she is not a captain she's a commander but we're right about the meteoric rise because she's not allowed in starfleet for some reason or she wasn't and Waves didn't have the pool necessary to get her in although it was okay for each to be in even though he's former borg as well
2: but even if they're a commander they can be a captain isn't it because that's your role isn't it that then supersedes what your rank
1: is in my head well you can be made captain yeah but you're not the rank of captain but you can be in command of a ship
2: yeah so then you would be called captain for that purpose i guess when they wouldn't call you commander so does that just mean that she was field commissioned captain of that ship and then when she came back she got given the rank commander
1: i guess so Picard rushed her through the ranking process. The first thing she goes to do is visit Harry Kim and say, ah, I'm a commander and you're not.
2: Oh, there's who our captain of the Enterprise could be. <laughs> Harry Kim, putting it there now.
1: It's going to be Tom Paris, isn't it? <laughs> well, we know what is up to, kind of, in Prodigy at this point, or
2: near this point. Is he captain of the Enterprise? <laughs> he is not. <laughs> I've not watched Prodigy Yeah, I'm sorry. He
1: was the former captain of the Protostar, but at the point where I have seen to, they haven't found him yet don't know where he ah, is okay janeway's out looking for him so that's where she is
2: okay so let's go for not captain of the enterprise then therefore i'm claiming it's harry kim
1: although prodigy's set a bit before this so who knows i'm not keen for this really the problem is and obviously things must change but it doesn't look like the next generation to me and that's kind of the problem that existed in the next generation films to a degree they tried to turn them into these action heavy spectacle things which worked in first contact but didn't necessarily work in the other two. And now this again, it just looks like it's a lot of pew-pew and shouting about firing weapons and whatever else. The thing that appealed about TNG was the cerebral quality to it, and it's disappointing that we have another villain.
2: I get what you're saying is a lot of TNG episodes would be almost philosophical problems or political problems of how do you get out of the situation without weapons whereas a lot of these seasons have been how many weapons can we fire at once (laughs) can we use all of the weapons that is the problem that they've got is how many weapons that we can fire i kind of agree with you it's also got a bit of the gloss and everything on it that Obviously, you expect from the modern Trek shows, and I think sometimes that's where you're like, "Yeah, this doesn't look like it looked in TNG because it's been updated a bit," and you kind of go. Mm.
1: But you could have the crew out on one more mission that's conducive to their skill set because they weren't really fighters yeah so framing it in that way is sort of counter to what it should be but who knows we haven't seen it yet
2: it might be the best season they've ever done and that is not a high bar to cross
1: i think as long as it's better than last season that's my barrier for entry i suppose i just want it to be better than last
2: season my thing is i want reuniting this cast to be worthwhile yes i think if it's just a fan exercise of we wanting to pull all the crew back together again because it will make the money or people will pay attention to it because we're finally getting all the crew back together, then I don't think it's worth it. If they've managed to come up with a justifiable reason and given them all the right development and everything to give this send-off, possible (laughs) 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 send-off, then okay. I'd love to think that all these people have dived in because they've got good reason that isn't because money.
1: We'll find out in just over three months or just under four months. Whatever. Mm. We'll find out relatively soon, so yay for that, I suppose. But let us move on to a couple of Star Trek things that aren't happening, or didn't happen in one case. As we predicted, I don't know if we ever predicted it on air or not, but we did predict it with Matt Shakeman making the Fantastic Four. He exited the Star Trek project that was never getting made anyway because that was the one where they asked the cast and they said, I have no knowledge of being in a Star Trek movie that is supposedly out next year so didn't seem like it was likely to happen they have removed it from the release schedule and they haven't set an alternative date so it looks like yet another star trek movie starring the kelvin timeline crew bites the dust this one was going to be written by the franchise's first female movie writers Lindsay beer and geneva's robertson dwarrett but it's not happening now they've ditched it why can't they just make a star trek film why is this so hard
2: i don't know the thing is when you said oh this one's been cancelled i was like which one because we've heard about so many over time Is it not noah holly at one point they keep talking about tarantino doing something i'm sitting there going oh they've cancelled one which one there's tons (laughs) of all these theoretical star trek movies and i don't know if it's just something that they keep releasing little words about because it does good for share price i don't know if it's that kind of thing where it's like oh we've got to make sure there's a bit of movie buzz around star trek so that it keeps it alive i don't know because they're doing so well overall despite what i've said about picard they're doing quite well in the tv world with star trek
1: well they're actually releasing stuff so therefore doing better than the movies
2: they are actually releasing things and some of the things are of quality and really enjoyable and seem to be doing well so why are they going down this line of oh yeah we're totally going to do a movie and then even the cast are going yeah we're not doing a movie <laughs> it just seems to fall apart under any form of scrutiny whatsoever I think it's a shame that it was going to be the first female writers for a Star Trek movie and then that's the one that gets canned.
1: Previous projects had female directors. Mm. I don't know if it's in the same way that Batgirl this get rid of the non-white male production. I think it's just incompetence. They just can't seem to get this off the ground or keep it going. But the longer this drags on, it gets further away from what the movies were supposed to be as in a reboot about the adventures of the Enterprise crew. But they're young again. Not that they're not Mm. young, but Chris Pine's in his 40s. He's almost at the point where Shatner was in the movies. (laughs) In fact, he probably is. I don't know how old Shatner was when he did the motion picture, but you have to imagine he was if not in his forties, pushing him. So we're at that point where they're not young people anymore. And some of the other actors have certainly outgrown it, perhaps. Carl Orban doing great with the boys. I know McCoy was never a young man anyway, but he's not getting any younger. Simon Pegg, he seems to just be the age he is. Zoe Saldana, I don't know how old she is. But you look at a lot of these actors and you see that they're over 40, which isn't a deal-breaker for franchises whatsoever, and it's not a deal-breaker for me at all, but... It's not the young Enterprise crew anymore. Beyond was starting to feed into some of those ideas of Kirk's getting older and he wants to see what else there is out there. And it turns out the job he has is the one that he loves anyway, so he's just going to keep it. But it's getting a bit more divorced from the intent of these movies. And if they were actually competent, we could have six of these by now.
2: Yeah, the original idea was this is a young crew going out and making their mistakes. They're inexperienced and they're going to stumble about a bit and you're going to watch. It kind of makes me think of Daniel Craig's James Bond, in a way, and the fact that for the first couple of films that he did it was meant to be this is young bond he's just got his license to kill etc and then it very quickly pivoted to daniel craig going i'm too old for this stuff and it kind of makes me think that's almost what they would do with this crew where they fast forward almost to the other end of the spectrum now and go, yeah <laughs> we're too old for this
1: daniel craig starts off just easily parkouring all over the place and then by the third or fourth film he can't stand up without making some kind of groaning noise <laughs> <laughs>
2: the thing is he was still going around and doing all the action stuff but all the overtones of the films were yeah the world isn't ready for us (laughs) old dogs anymore (laughs) meanwhile he was still jumping off of bridges and doing all sorts of weird stuff and i imagine that star trek could do something along the same lines with kirk but i don't think chris pine is in that category yet he doesn't look that old
1: no but his age is starting to show a little bit and i'm referring exclusively to don't worry darling which is the most recent thing i've seen him in he has the mm. green temples and he is generally showing a bit of distinction that comes with ageing.
0: Oh, I
2: guess. I've not seen that yet, so yeah, okay. I can get where you're going with that. The previous films, all based around the TV crews, they weren't a separate universe, a separate world. They were just extensions of it. It was feature-length episodes to an extent, with a bigger budget and the bigger effects and all that gloss that comes with a movie.
1: But they were about ageing. The Wrath of Khan, part of the issue that kirk is dealing with is he's turning 50
2: yeah is the glasses so could you not look at your likes of Ansamount or your discovery or your whatever even voyager or deep space 9 or whatever you wanted to dig out and go let's do a film with and go off and spin on that instead of trying to get this crew back together that the actors like you say have all gone on to do other things that might be some of what the problem is in getting these things off the ground is because everyone wants something juicy in their script and you're never going to satisfy that many high profile cast members at once
1: well you could see where the focus was in the other films mccoy had a more reduced role than he did in the original series and Ahura was almost put in his place because zoe saldana was the bigger ticket at that point in time, when they made the first film, she was on the rise. And then by the time you hit into darkness, she's found her place in the Hollywood pantheon, mm. so to speak. And then beyond, she's still firmly entrenched in there. So you can see where the prestige is, I suppose, when you look at the screen time that some of the actors get. Yeah. Although she doesn't have a lot to do in beyond, she's just in it a lot. It doesn't translate to necessarily meaningful screen time, but she has the screen yeah. time. It's a different thing. Just because we have to put you in it a lot doesn't mean we have to do much with you. <laughs> And then we'll worry about it when we negotiate your fee for the next one, when you say, I want more meaningful screen time. You never said meaningful last time, so we just gave you loads of minutes of screen time.
2: We'll give you all this recording time. We won't necessarily put it in the finished product. I would love to see them back again. I have enjoyed those films. I don't have a deep hatred of them. I don't think they're bad, really. I think there's missteps in them, but I don't think they're awful. So I would love to see them back with the right story.
1: I have a deep and storied hatred of one of them. (laughs) Beyond won me over and it yeah. made me want to see more. And here we are, however many years later, we still don't have a follow
2: up. But the thing is, a lot of them are signed on to these big projects that take ages to film as well. Zoe's Aldana doing the Avatar sequel stuff, which is a lot of filming and is tied up with Marvel as well, which is again another big blockbustery commitment. So trying to then fit Star Trek in amongst that would be difficult.
1: Yeah, well, that's where I used to say that Zoe's Saldana loves to collect a franchise. star trek marvel avatar which is now a franchise or will be soon and that's about it i suppose
2: but still if i was an actor i'd be like yeah sure sign me up for all of the things please i'll take all of the things what you want to put me in the thing cool because the thing is is actors go the next job might never come this might be it this might be the end of my career so i'm going to sign up for all of the things
1: yeah but think chris pine his aging won't hurt his prospects as an actor because he's already moving into the producing and directing space So not a problem, really. I don't think he needs this film as much as it needs him. So that's where we're at. Zachary Quinto? I don't know. Is he big? Not anymore.
2: Not as big as he was. But the thing is, as much as I would like to see another one of these films, you're saying they could have six of these by now. If it's the case of I need to wait two years and the right great story comes along and the actors all happen to be available and are really up for doing it because there's great stuff in there for them, I want to see that film. I don't necessarily want to see them forced into it because the money was good so they had to take it or a contract obliged them to be in that position a terrible story badly written and put together i don't want to see that because i'm satisfied with the tv content that's going on at the moment i'm not particularly calling out for it and going please do it again now i want to see it next week it's do you know what there's a lot of star trek on so i'm satisfied at the moment and if the right thing comes along to pull them all back in then great
1: i'm not saying it would have been six great films i'm just saying we could have had <laughs> six of them
2: yeah there'd be a hit miss ratio in there yeah yeah
1: Yeah, for sure. Maybe like with the Bond ones, we'd alternate with every one. It's like, well, that sucked. I don't want to see any more of these. And then the next one's good. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I could go another one. And so on. But that's not what we're getting. And it seems like part of it, which leads us on to our next thing, is that Paramount don't seem to be willing to pay the money that these people are worth. Chris Pine, for example, probably commands a hefty fee. And they did reveal details on the unmade Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth sequel, which basically happened because they offered... I guess Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, a payday, and they both said, no, I'm not doing that for that. <laughs> when he did the first Star Trek movie, he was a relative nobody who came out of a soap, and now he's Thor, <laughs> so he can write his own ticket, so to speak. He probably rightly turned down the paltry offering they were offered. But this version of Star Trek 4, or Star Trek Reboot 4, was going to be written by Patrick Mackay. It was actually already written. And J.D. Payne, who you may know from writing or show running The Rings of Power, The Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. So they wrote a Star Trek Beyond sequel for director S.J. Clarkson. That was the female director I was talking about. They would have served as the fourth fill. And they talk about reuniting Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine. The conceit was that through a cosmic quirk in the Star Trek world, they were the same age. It was going to be a grand father-son space adventure. Think Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in space. We were really thrilled about it. They also said they wrote an original villain for the movie. There's that villain again. And the script had a really cool 2001 A Space Odyssey-esque sci-fi idea at the core. We worked on it for two and a half years with Lindsay Weber, our non-writing exec producer on Rings of Power an amazing director. The movie eventually fell apart and it really was a heartbreak for us. We would have loved to make that movie. One of the writers said, There's an episode of Next Generation called Relics where they find Scotty, who's been trapped in a transporter for a couple of decades. A couple of decades, it's like seven decades or eight decades. And they're able to have cool adventure with him. Our conceit was, what if right before the Kelvin impacted with that huge mining ship, George Kirk had tried to beam himself over to his wife's shuttle where his son Jim Kirk had just been born? And what if the ship hadn't completely exploded What if it left some space junk? Think about when you send a text message and you've typed it out, but you haven't quite hit send. On the other side, they see those three little dots that someone has typed. It's like the transporter had absorbed his pattern up to the pattern buffer that hadn't spit about the other side. It was actually a safe copy of him that was in the computer. So the adventure is that Chris Pine and the crew of the Enterprise have to seek out the wreckage of the ship that his father died on because of a mystery and a new villain. In the ship, they stumble across his father's pattern, they beam him out, and he has no idea that no time has passed at all and that he's looking at his son. Then the adventure goes from there. Presumably, he also has no idea where all those muscles came from when he materialises as well. (laughs) The premise sounds kind of silly, and it seems to ignore what happened in the first movie, because the point is he can't leave the ship. He has to stay there and continue to fight off the weapons that are going after the shuttles. And then when the Kelvin collides with Nero's ship, you see him thrown forward as the ship blows up. So no, he didn't try and beam out, but whatever. It's a flimsy setup. and bringing Chris Hemsworth in, I'm sure it would have been fun to watch.
2: It would be cool seeing the two of them interact. Why not throw some more movie Chrissies in there? I'm thinking you maybe have a pair of villains played by Pratt and Evans. (laughs) I just think, just throw more Chrissies at it. Just
1: make it the first Hollywood, Chris-filled film.
2: Yeah, exactly. You just solely use it to unite as many movie Chrissies in there. And if you can get Christopher Walken in there, get Christopher Walken in there. Do it. As many movie Chrissies as you possibly can in that film and go for it. It sounds like Star Trek, doesn't it? Let's face it. (laughs) Someone's been trapped in the pattern buffer. There's been someone in here all along. I wonder who it is. Is it a random ensign? No, it's your dad, of course.
1: I'm just glad they watched more Star Trek than Wrath of Khan, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're basing it on this episode that had Scotty in it. It does sound like they sort of scratched around for, what's a way that he could have survived? We need time travel, alternate universe, or trapped inside a, a transporter buffer. Which one will we go for? Spin the wheel! Yeah.
1: <laughs> that idea does seem to undermine his sacrifice, though.
2: It does a little. What, he got out at just the last second? Yeah,
1: because the whole point is, I can't get out, even though all I have to do is let the ship fly forward, and it won't encounter any resistance because it's space. So all I have to do is point it in a direction and leave.
2: Yeah, but I need to steer it in so that I'm sure. Yes, I guess. And like you say, they didn't leave much to the imagination in that shot. You do see him get thrown forward. The only thing they could do is show that and then show him beaming out before he impacts something at the other side. And it could be someone else beaming him out. I don't know it might make no sense it doesn't make any sense the shuttle tries to beam him out and it doesn't work I don't know someone else tries to beam him out from a shuttle but why didn't they do? yes it doesn't quite make sense yes it would be cool seeing the two of them interact I don't know if there'd be some sort of man out of time element to it him getting to have the conversations with his dad that he never had or
1: I don't know But also it'd be his dad who has no experience of being his father as well so he wouldn't be much use in terms of parental advice.
2: Yeah but would he be calling out for his dad? He doesn't seem like the character that would but then like you said earlier on we're looking at him in a later stage of life where maybe he's got some sort of call out if you've got another father out of the crew on the ship or something and then that's what's making him think of that kind of thing at the same time as you've got whatever revenge plot weird story that they've got going on with the villain played by chris evans
1: (laughs) his daddy issues have been a part of his character since the first film there was that living up to his father's example type thing and obviously his father's example was a heroic sacrifice so Hmm. it's seeing the nuance that was in the person that would become his father i'm actually surprised this concept didn't evolve into replacing the kelvin wreckage with the nexus and chris hemsworth with william shatner because you could create almost the same story
2: but with that well like a different timeline version of himself well
1: as in the version that got stuck in the nexus when kirk died in generations Mm. because there's still an echo of him there so they could have it there's only one nexus when it exists in all universes at once so there's you from another universe who died Mm. but there he is that story could very easily with a number of revisions become that story Mm. I think. Like I say, I wouldn't hate seeing this necessarily. I like Chris Hemsworth. I like Chris Pine seeing the two interact. It's funny how different Chris Hemsworth is to how he was in that film, though. Just in terms of his whole
2: star power, I suppose. There must be precedent for that, where someone goes on for superstardom and then comes back to reprise a role.
1: Comes back to reprise essentially a cameo.
2: Yeah. If his dad hadn't been played by Chris Hemsworth, would they have pitched this story? Or was it simply, we can unite two movie Chrissies here?
1: I think the genesis of this idea came from his dad was played by Chris Hemsworth before yes. he was famous.
2: And yeah, yeah.
1: this would be a great opportunity to have Chris Hemsworth in our movie. People yeah. might actually watch it if we have Chris Hemsworth in our movie.
2: We, we have an excuse to have Hemsworth in here, so let's go for it.
1: He's box office gold. Let's get him in. <laughs> and we had him in one of our movies. So let's just get him in. But in that, he was just fresh out of, I think it was home and away he was in. So he wasn't huge at the time. And he wasn't huge in the way that he is now, as in physically.
2: <laughs> yeah, he wasn't physically huge either. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when you look at him in that film, you're like, oh my God. Look at what he becomes. It's interesting to hear about it and it seems like the writers were excited about it, but we'll never see it. Let's work on getting across that alternate universe where this was made and then watch it and they see what we think.
2: Yeah. Or we'll just invent it in our heads like we do with so many other films when we talk on this podcast.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should do that one day, just inventing a film
2: podcast and see how we come up with invent it. Invent a film to review. I don't know how we do that. Put lots of ideas in a wheel. Anyway, we can talk about this off air.
1: <laughs> or just picture film. I'm sure there's other podcasts that do it, but they've never heard us try it. <laughs> okay, well, shall I beam you back, or will I just store you in the pattern buffer till next month? Ooh,
2: can I propose the third option, which is gun it?
1: Don't know what that means, but I'll do that. If you step on the transporter pad then, and I will gun it. Thank <laughs> you for appearing for more Star Trek. You're welcome. Anyway, gun it. Okay, he's gone. You can come out now. We have okay. talked about Star Guess Trek, we'll... we've gushed about Star Trek.
0: Guess we'll talk about more things.
1: Maybe you can listen back to that bit and you can hear more people complain about Picard like you were getting into for some reason on the internet.
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: I mean, it's not a good show.
0: Yeah, there's an ample amount of people complaining about Picard.
1: Myself included. Moving on, a video game adaptation was recently announced. We are going to get a new Silent Hill movie, Return to Silent Hill. It's the same director who did the first Silent Hill movie, which I thought was terrible.
0: I don't know much about Silent Hill
1: Christoph Gans the guy's name is I don't know if the original Silent Hill film was his fault to be fair but it just sucked and I haven't seen the sequel or the other one I don't know if it's a sequel the one that has Boromir in it
0: Is that the series that you watch many speedruns of? Resident Evil Um, Both
1: survival horror though
0: It'd be fun to watch a movie where the main character is (laughs) speedrunning Just in a movie it's like yeah I know this bit I need to get through this by 5 minutes and 16 so I get to the next bit
1: (laughs) Sean Bean, that's his name. I blanked on it for a second, that's why I used Boromir. He was in the second one, which wasn't directed by this guy, so it's irrelevant, but it's another one. They showed some concept art, they showed like Pyramid Head and so on.
0: Oh, is this the one that Konami was going to make with the playable trailer, yeah? Yes,
1: it was called Silent Hills, that was the one with Kojima. Oh, yeah. The one where you can still sell your PS4 with the demo installed for more money than a ps is worth.
0: Yeah, they'll probably lean into that vibe. This is very popular, so... Let's do this sort of thing.
1: I really hope so. That's happening. Let's move on to talk about the film Time Stalker, which is an Alice Lowe rom com. It's starting shooting with Nick Frost, Tanya Reynolds, and Anurin Barnard joining the cast. Built as a reincarnation rom com, the film follows the tale of one woman's unrequited love, spanning centuries. Lowe directs from a screenplay she wrote. She also stars in the film alongside Jacob Anderson, Game of Thrones. Is he Vinder?
0: He is, yes, he's Vinder.
1: The most pointless character in Doctor Who history. Well, probably not the most, but one of the most.
0: One of the most.
1: So it sounds like quite an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, I liked Prevenge, way back when she did as well. I haven't seen that, but I heard it was good. I think it was like 2012 or 2013 was good, so yeah, that should be fun.
1: Time Stalker is not to be confused by that Alexandra Daddario movie about the guy that used time loop concept to try and woo his girl.
0: Or time splitters, the arcade game—the <laughs> one I thought you were going to say.
1: <laughs> they should adapt Time Splitters into a movie. It would suck.
0: Someone speedrunning. <laughs> so what we're
1: going to do is we're just going to go to the cinema and just watch people speedrunning.
0: to watch actors playing characters who are being speedrun <laughs> by people who've played a lot of games.
1: That's almost the sequel to that Jerry Butler gamer. It's called where someone was controlling oh, yeah, them. Yeah, I'm a
0: gamer. It's awful.
1: Moving on, we are getting a sequel to Twister, and it's going to be called Twisters.
0: It's going to the joke with the alien aliens with the Twister Stella sign on. Then it'll
1: be Twister 3, then Twister Resurrection. I don't think I've seen Twister. I quite like Twister. It's famous for a really bad CGI cow flying in front of a car's windshield.
0: I can see the poster,
1: which is just a picture of a tornado.
0: Yeah. But there's always a disaster movie, and there's always legacy sequels, so it makes sense.
1: Sources say the hope is to bring Helen Hunt back, who was in the original, with a drama that focuses on the daughter she had with a character played by Bill Paxton, who won't be in the film because he's dead. He's dead. He didn't die by Twister, but maybe the character did. Maybe. An
0: unrelated Twister.
1: (laughs) Spielberg seemed to like the script for this. Top Gun Maverick director Joseph Kaczynski was going to direct, but he didn't. So it's kind of bounced around a lot, but they haven't locked in a new director yet. There's some options. The free solo team of Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai, Vassar Heliai, if that's how you pronounce it, and Dan Trachtenberg, who most recently directed Prey. If they can get him.
0: Sure, I'm not very good with directors, but we'll find somebody. He also directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. That was fun.
1: So Twisters. Twisters, all right. It is what it is. It's not high art by any means, and it never was pretending to be, but pretty watchable. It's one of those.
0: Yeah. Don't know if we need another one. I think it's said easy to make films and Lego sequels, so it makes sense that they're making
1: the one. How many films are there about people chasing tornadoes? Why does it have to be a sequel to Twister?
0: Maybe this tornado is chasing them.
1: Twister Revenge, it's the same tornado from the first yeah, one. Let's
0: come back this time, just get into
1: them. How dare you avoid me? I'm coming after you. It's got
0: its camera on. Them.
1: Moving on, Robert Eggers' long awaited new take on Nosferatu is actually gaining momentum for once. Bill Skarsgård is attached to play. Nosferatu, and Lily Rose Depp is in talks to co star. The new reimagining Nosferatu is a gothic tale of obsession between a haunted young woman played by Depp in 19th century Germany, and the ancient Transylvanian vampire, played by Skarsgård, who stalks her, bringing untold horror with him. Focus and no comment on the project. It's been a passion project of Eggers for years, and it's been on the cards for a long time. Anya, Taylor-Joy and Harry Styles were almost in it in 2019, but it fell through. The original is about 100 years old now, or maybe it is exactly 100 years old. It's old, yeah. Another vampire vampire movie? They're coming back, aren't they? Yeah.
0: I think a lot of this stuff, I don't know how long it's been in public domain so everyone can kind of have a go, but yeah, I think Vampire's on the way back.
1: Robert Eggers did The Northman, which I haven't seen, but a lot of people liked it. Also, a lot of people didn't like it, so who knows?
0: I'm sure you'll have a nice time doing it. As long as everyone has fun.
1: That may happen. Moving on, we are getting a Naked Gun reboot. Well, it's not really a reboot, it's a sequel, with Liam Neeson in talks to star as Leslie Nielsen character's son.
0: This is another series i don't know, but I know it's a hardball detective in a silly world. It's a spin-off
1: from the short-lived comedy show Police Squad. And Police Squad is just really funny, but you have to pay forensic attention to every single episode because there's always something going on in every scene. There's a famous interview with Leslie Nielsen where he talks about why the show never made it beyond the six episodes. He said, it's because you actually have to sit and watch it. And that wasn't what the network really wanted. The whole idea of, I guess, sitcoms is that people can be slightly passive and you can be doing the ironing or something like that and still understand what's going on. Whereas Police Squad wasn't that, but it's hilarious. And the Naked Gun movies are hilarious as well. So I'm confused as to why they're giving this a go.
0: And it could just be another sort of passion because Family Guy guy, isn't it? Seth MacFarlane, who's... Behind the wheel. He's
1: producing anyway. I don't think he's writing.
0: Might be a big fan of the show and just wants to give it a little lease of life.
1: Do you think Liam Neeson's funny?
0: The detective is hard-boiled, but the world around them is funny. He can be Liam Neeson around. He can be doing funny things, but still being in that sort of personality. So I think that could work. I think he's the right sort of person to do that. A guy who's in like a tough world, being a cop or whatever, when really it's, it's more absurd. So I think they can have a lot of fun. He's a good person to get as the gruff guy. But with enough humility that he can also have fun in this more clownish world around him. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty good pick.
1: Leslie Nielsen was really good at the deadpan stuff and he could make you laugh with just a look, just the way he looks at something. So, I don't know if Liam Neeson's quite that. I have found him funny in things. For example, The A Team. Yeah. I love that movie. He's great in he's that. Good as-
0: Good cop, bad cop.
1: Oh yeah. I always forget that's him.
0: Yeah, we'll see. It just seems a weird
1: property at revive, but everything's getting dug up, isn't it? So yeah, why not this? Let's move on. We have Sydney Sweeney to star in the Barbarella remake. She's also going to exec produce it. Despite how ubiquitous Sydney Sweeney is at the moment, I don't think I have ever seen her in anything. I don't know who she is. She became well known for the show Euphoria, which also stars Zendaya.
0: I've heard of that. I've heard it was awful time making it. That's all I know about Euphoria. Everyone needed therapy afterwards.
1: Yeah, no one had a good time. It's about teenagers and adult situations, I think. Yeah. I think it's a bit like Shameless or Skins, along those lines.
0: Or This is England, sort of thing. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen her in anything else. She's going to be in Madame Webb though, so I'll see her in that. Yeah. For my sins. Attached to starring the new Barbarella movie for the studio, the film is based on the Jean-Claude Forrest French comic book series that was turned into a 1968 movie starring Jane Fonda. So apparently she's the modern Jane Fonda. Cool. The original film follows an astronaut from the 41st century who sets out to find and stop the evil scientist Durand Durand, whose positronic Ray threatens to bring evil back into the galaxy. The film wasn't a massive box office hit, but has since become a cult classic, and in 2020, the Forest Estate announced plans for a new film. Sweeney has become a fan favourite with Sony. The studio not only tapped her to co-star in its Marvel pick, Madame Web, but also recently acquired the registration with Sweeney on board to produce and star. She's been in The White Lotus, the second season of Euphoria... Other stuff. So she's on the rise. She's going to be a, a big deal. She already is. She's producing already. It seems like a fun concept. I really hope they lean into the B-movie kitsch of it, rather than try to turn it into a serious gritty sci-fi thing.
0: Yeah, it's a thing I've, again, never really heard of it. <laughs> if it's a well, B-movie, and especially if it's a cult classic, I think mean, that's what people will want, so they'll probably be aware of that.
1: You'll probably like this next one. There's another Poirot film coming out starring Kenneth Branagh. A Haunting in Venice is the next one up. The cast has been announced. Kenneth Branagh, obviously, Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, Jude Hill, Ali Khan, Emma Laird, Kelly Riley, Ricardo, Scamartio, and Michelle Yeoh. God, Michelle Yeoh again. She is everywhere. You can't turn over a rock without finding Michelle Yeoh. As a rock sometimes. (laughs) 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 The rock fighting Michelle Yeoh. I want to see it.
0: Yeah, I really like Poirot's. I've not seen any of these Kenneth Branagh ones. I've heard they're a a bit odd.
1: I liked Murder on the Orient Express, but I didn't see Death on the Nile, but I
0: heard it was rubbish.
1: Although Andrew liked it, so who knows?
0: I think it's weird that they haven't put Miss Marple in these. The two Agatha Christie detectives have never teamed up. I was convinced at the beginning when they announced that one, the end credits scene on the Orient Express will be like, Miss Marple was another passenger, or the Nile should be on that one as well. I think it's weird in the cinematic universe world that they're not doing a Christie cinematic universe and having the two famous detective characters finally meet up, which I assume is what these have been building to, but I've been wrong each time.
1: It's interesting that the prevailing mystery franchises at the moment are these and the Knives Out. Yeah. Knives Out, which is itself based on Agatha Christie type murder mysteries.
0: Yeah, from what I've heard, the Knives Out style is more in keeping with the Christie style as opposed to Kenneth Branagh's one. I haven't
1: really read any Agatha Christie stuff, so I only know it by parody, really.
0: i read a few, and there was the David Suchet show that was really good as well. Or the Doctor Who episode. Oh yeah, where he was a landlord with a wood wife or something.
1: Where there was a big wasp.
0: Oh yeah. Oh they have said it the episode with a big wasp. I'm gonna put my guns down now and say this'll be the one where Miss Marple's <laughs> team them up. Didn't happen in the other yeah, two, really maybe did. this one. Nobody wants this, but I think it'll happen.
1: The Orney Express one was one of the few films that Daisy Ridley's been in. Oh
0: yeah, she was in that. Last thing I saw that she was in was a game with James McAvoy. One of those interactive cinema style games.
1: I saw the Awful film that she's in with Tom Holland. Oh,
0: Chaos Walking?
1: Chaos Walking, I think it was. It's rubbish. It's not very good. That was the one that was deemed unreleasable, and then they released it. Yeah. It was lying on a hard drive, and it was a pandemic, so they just chucked it out.
0: Yeah, maybe she'll go for, like, that sort of Daniel Radcliffe style of, like, she can pick and choose stuff she wants to do, the genre she wants to try.
1: Before she ends up back in Star Wars in 20 years.
0: Exactly. Like moving back into your parents' house, there's always a Star Wars. (laughs) Go back and do.
1: She'll turn up in the Grogu series that they make in 20 years.
0: Yeah, The Rock is Grogu.
1: But they don't bother using any CGI or whatever. They just paint them green and give them the years. It's so stupid it might just happen. The next thing is Paul Bettany is being cast in the Tom Hanks and Robin Wright film made by robert zemeckis called here this is a really interesting concept here is described as a breathtaking and revolutionary odyssey through time and memory the innovative film centered around a single geographic location in new england starting as wilderness and later becoming the site of a home where a story of love loss struggle hope and legacy play out between couples and families over generations apparently the film literally takes place over thousands or hundreds of thousands of years on this one patch of land could be fun. Robert Zemeckis is hit and miss these days. I haven't seen Pinocchio, but apparently it was really bad.
0: He might be the sort of person who's like, he'll take this paycheck to do his dream project one. I don't know too much about him, but yeah, it sounds like an interesting concept.
1: Well, he made Back to the Future, all three of them. He has a pass for life, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He also made the film based on the documentary about the guy that walked across the Twin Towers.
0: Oh, yeah, something high up sometimes
1: man on wire is the documentary and the walk is the film yeah the walk was really good and really enjoyed it particularly the actual walking sequence i remember seeing it in imax in 3d and wanting to hurl because it was so well done i don't like heights and it made me feel like i was up there
0: like a real sort of sweaty palm situation
1: <laughs> yeah. i'm not looking can't look don't look down etc interesting concept paul bettany's in it tom hanks is in it robin wright's in it excellent cast yep I'm sure Paul Bettenay will sound authoritative and wise. That's his style. Okay, we're approaching the end of our list. We have the Dune prequel series at HBO Max as cast Emily Watson and Shirley Henderson. It's currently titled Dune, the Sisterhood. It's set 10,000 years before the events of Dune and is based on the novel based on the novel Sisterhood of Dune by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. The show follows the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind that establish a fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit. Watson will play Valya Harkonnen, and Henderson will play Tula Harkonnen. The character descriptions say the two sisters have risen to power in the sisterhood, a secret organisation of women who were gone to become the Bene Gesserit. Okay-doke. So for a film that people were worried about making any money, they seem to be doing a lot with the concept. Yeah,
0: going deep into the lore.
1: Have you seen June?
0: No. <laughs> I, you should. I've not read any of the books. So- I know it's a series with a very expanded world.
1: I haven't read the books either, but the film was really good. It's only part one, though, so it might be worth coming along along with us to the IMAX when they screen both at once.
0: Yeah, it seems like an IMAX experience.
1: Oh, yeah. It's glorious. And a great cast as well. I think everybody who's everybody in Hollywood's in it, basically.
0: Yeah, I know this next one keeps adding Tilda Swinton and someone else famous keeps joining in. So I think everyone's trying to get in on it. Basically,
1: anybody that's not in Barbie is going to turn up in June. Yeah. And possibly people that are also in Barbie. Maybe. But the TV series, sure, I'll probably give it a look. I know some people will be very interested in it. I'm sure Chris will be frothing at the mouth to get a look at it. Yeah. The next thing is, teased this a couple of months ago, that Disney were planning another... Planet of the Apes movie, it has now been titled, they're going to call it Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, under direction of Wes Ball, who did the Maze Runner trilogy star Owen Teague, Freya Allen Peter Macon, Ica Darville and Kevin Durand It hasn't said what the film's about but it's going to be set quite a while after the previous saga. It's in the
0: same universe.
1: And the picture they've shown is an ape on a horse with an eagle.
0: So it's getting deep into the civilization of the new world and the new world order.
1: I guess so, yeah. My working assumption was that they were going to just remake the original planet the apes as and make it about the human crew coming back to Earth. But it makes me wonder, how do you do that story now? Because everyone knows what the twist is. Yeah. In fact, they made a whole trilogy where they just didn't call it a twist. It was just a trilogy about apes taking over the world.
0: Yeah. This is, again, another movie. <laughs> I've not seen the original, I've not seen the new ones. But
1: well, you've seen the Simpsons musical.
0: I've seen the musical, yeah. Do the movie, maybe like the musical. <laughs> yeah, they
1: should make the musical. Flesh it out, Book of Mormon style.
0: Yeah, that's the only one I've seen All my Planet of the Apes knowledge is on it Planet of the Apes I want to get off.
1: So you haven't seen the Andy Serkis trilogy? No. Oh, they're great. You should watch them. Perhaps before this comes out. Maybe. It's now a Disney property, they're not going to let it sit, or they?
0: Let's give it another
1: go. And I think if you're just expanding on what the previous films did and taking it further in the future, then fine. don't have an issue with that. Yeah. Do you think they'll get Andy Serkis back playing a new character? I don't
0: know. I suppose, I don't know, if technologies, they might be able to just be like a fully computer-generated level, or they might need some element.
1: Well, I think even when CG is photorealistic, they'd rather have people motion capturing it. Yeah. It just looks more real that way.
0: There must be other people. You can't really see that Andy Serkis has not let anyone learn to be as good as he is.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he is the best at it. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up involved in the film in some way, whether it be as a consultant or second unit director or something like that. I'm actually surprised he's not directing this.
0: I have more projects on the go. I have Venom 3 to make.
1: <laughs> He's waiting for the call so he can be in a couple of scenes in the Batman too.
0: Exactly. Get blown up again.
1: That is one thing we forgot to mention during the DC thing is that Matt Reeves is planning a whole load of spin-offs again, but different spin-offs to the ones before. Things like Professor Pig and so on. Professor
0: Pig, Scarecrow and Clayface are the names that were not confirmed like those sort of guys. The weirdos. Which is the ones I like. I remember saying we did the podcast on the movie. Do the weirder ones do the creepy ones so that's a good sign
1: a bunch of little origin stories yeah planet of the apes more of it yeah yes please before we get into our last item isaac can i interest you in a sherry
0: Ooh, oh go on then.
1: or how about some tossed salad and scrambled eggs Ooh, i'll see if i have any spare in the log in case you didn't understand what that terrific piece of comedy was alluding to Frasier's back. Yeah, there's going to be a sequel series starring Kelsey Grammer picked up to series at Paramount+. Plus. So this has been in the works for a while, and now they're just finally doing it. Basically, it's going to be focused on Frasier's next chapter in a different city. He'll be surrounded by new characters with original Frasier cast members, not expected to be series regulars, but could make guest appearances. Will show up. Every time I read that, I think about that Simpsons episode where they do all the spin-offs. Don't worry, some familiar faces might show up to say hello.
0: Yeah. I think that'll be that sort of style.
1: The premise just sounds like Frasier.
0: Yeah, just Frasier again, but everyone likes Frasier, so it's fine.
1: Although I think I found Frasier one of the least interesting characters in the show, Frasier.
0: The joke's always on him, but from what I've seen of Kelsey Grammer, he's kind of gone insane. So I don't know if he'll be as happy being the butt of the joke again. Insane how? He's all super pro-gun and pro-trump. God, I didn't know that. I think he's gone down that sort of angle. Maybe his new radio show is like a QAnon. (laughs) He's just doing that.
1: He's like an Alex Jones type figure.
0: He's just doing Alex Jones stuff. But yeah, I think he's gone a bit more that sort of style, but I'm sure he'll be able to get back. Obviously, he'll have a lot of saying what's happening and stuff. And the reason people like Frazier is because it is high society people just looking like idiots.
1: Frasier was a spin-off of Cheers, and now this new Frasier show is a spin-off of Frasier. So is he one of the first actors to ever be in a spin-off of his own spin-off?
0: I was thinking this about Boba Fett. He was in a spin-off of the spin-off of himself, and then that got a spin-off. And to wind it back to the beginning, I forgot to mention in Werewolf by Night, Frasier's agent is in it. B.B. Yeah, so if you're missing some of the devilish (laughs) overacting of B.B., then that's the best part of Werewolf by Night. And
1: Bulldog's in Blonde, apparently. I haven't seen Blonde, but apparently he's in it. I don't
0: know what David Hyde Pierce is doing.
1: Me neither. I saw a recent picture of him, though. He doesn't look like Niles anymore.
0: No, all I know is that if I was making Doctor Who, he'd be the perfect character to play the master. It's just the most put-down, snarky character ever.
1: We wanted him as Doctor Doom, didn't we?
0: Yeah, Kelsey Grammer was Doctor Doom.
1: Oh, you mean Niles, yeah. Niles is the master.
0: Niles is the master, yeah. And Kelsey Grammer to say, I am wounded, but in a giant metallic mask. <laughs> it could still happen.
1: David Hyde Pierce was the original voice of Ape Sapien in Hellboy, and then they just let Doug Jones do it in the sequel. Oh, yeah. I think David Hyde Pierce was uncredited in the first film,
0: actually. I think we can rely on Niles will be back. Maybe Daphne, but in terms of, well, obviously, I forgot the name of the actor now. The dad. What's he called? John Mahoney. John Mahoney, yeah, he died recently.
1: Yeah, it was like 2020 or something, wasn't it? 2019, something like that. The
0: chair will show up in his place. This should be fun. I'll give it a go, definitely.
1: He said that they'll be acknowledging the death Kelsey Grammer did.
0: That's the first line. Freddy comes in and says, I'm glad my dad is dead because I can throw out <laughs> this awful chair.
1: There's some chatter online how the best approach for a spin off of Frasier would be him being the Martin character to Freddy.
0: I don't know. I like laughing at Frasier.
1: <laughs> well, I think you would still laugh at him, but I think under that scenario, Freddy would be the normal one, quote-unquote?
0: Yeah, I prefer Freddy to be more like Martin and then Fraser being desperate to still try and get his son more to the sort of high society that he likes. Niles and Daphne had a child, didn't they? They did, yeah. Maybe some of the kids are more high society and young Fraser and Niles style than or something more Marty-style or more Daphne-style. But I suppose it depends on how much they want to rely on the old stuff and how much new stuff they want to bring in.
1: Well, it sounds like it's going to be all new. Yeah. The show ended with him leaving Seattle to chase after Charlotte was her name.
0: he got a TV show, isn't he?
1: I think he doesn't go where his new show is going to be. He goes to uh, okay. wherever Charlotte, I think her name is. The woman he meets in season, whatever the final season is. Yeah, Because I remember the last shot is, you're on a flight to... Chicago, I think it is. I don't know if they'll pick that up. If you marry Frasier off, the premise of the show falls apart, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things you could still do, but I think you still need to have that. Let's laugh at the high society.
1: He'll just be embroiled in another high society group.
0: I think we can get ourselves a bottle of sherry and give this a go.
1: (laughs) I just wonder if it'll work without Niles and so on. I imagine people all probably said the same things about Fraser when it first was announced.
0: Yeah, no, I think this will be fine. There's enough love for it. And they've worked on it for quite a while, as you was said. It's been in the works for ages, so I think they know what they're going to do with it. Maybe.
1: But yeah, thinking back to what you were saying about Kelsey Grammar, a lot of the roles I've seen him do fairly recently has been more fascist-type roles.
0: Yeah, I'm only aware it was a badass plane thief con man film or something. Money plane. Money plane, yeah.
1: That's awful. He was in Transformers.
0: Oh yeah, it was like General Stony Faced or whatever.
1: As Agent Evil guy. yeah. Optimus Prime just kills him just casually. Spoilers for whatever Transformer movie that one. I think
0: if he's doing this, it's because he wants to go back to being the same sort of goof that he was playing when he was framed. The Goofy
1: Rich Gang. I don't know. Obviously, people are always going to say that about spin offs. Well, I don't know if it'll work without the gang. Like I said, people probably said that about the Cheers characters.
0: Or Joey. <laughs> Favorite <Famous> spin off, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Joey, where every character was like him except from his nephew. Yeah,
0: they showed them wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Joey somehow. Limped on for two painful seasons. Because you had his sister who's as stupid as he is, and then you had his neighbour who's just a ditz and then his nephew who's a genius but also an idiot. Yeah. The thing I find troubling about this and it's just the idea that all these things that you thought were done and you're happy to say goodbye to just keep coming back.
0: Yeah there's always a little bit of that. It's nice to have a mix of both. Also yeah there's always the worry but then sometimes it's just kind of nice. So with like Kenobi. It was nice to see and he said the lines, he did the things and as much as it is yeah you didn't need this to happen but also we're all now. Sometimes it's just nice to be like I remember a thing.
1: There's a couple of things I'll try and find for the show notes that are related to Frasier. There was one where him and Niles try and be cannibals a fan script that someone wrote and it's really well written. It's
0: written like an episode of the
1: show, but they're just eating people.
0: They got an AI to write an episode of Frasier based on inputs of scripts and they get caught eating cans of beans at the opera. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really funny idea.
1: And there's the other one that's combining Hellraiser and Frasier. It's called Hellfrasier. Oh, Hellfrasier, Yeah, I think that's recent, isn't it? Yeah, but that's quite recent. It's very funny though. That and the cannibal one are so well written that I'm just hearing the voices when I'm reading it. So these people should be writing the show.
0: Yeah, and a lot of exceptional memes like nft niles or mountain june Niles.
1: <laughs> i'm warming up to the idea of him being an alex jones style shock jock
0: i like that idea he's a quantum in guy and he owes several billions in several lawsuits
1: i'm sure it'll be kind of more of the same but yeah. they'll try and find a decent supporting cast for him. yeah
0: it'll work out
1: i would quite like him being the martin to freddie but freddie is the martin that would be an interesting dynamic
0: yeah, we'll have to wait and see.
1: Anyway, we should wrap up. That was our last bit of news, so well done. We got through another month of news and we had a good chat about Fraser. so...
0: That's what all this is for. <laughs> Everything else is just waiting to get to Fraser.
1: I deliberately put it as the last item for that very reason. Keep the audience waiting, even though they probably haven't read the show notes and have no idea what's coming up. Exactly. So that was October. We'll be back for more of this in November. Stay tuned for the She-Hulk podcast and other stuff that we're doing. Doctor Who, we're going to do that. We're finally fulfilling that pledge from the 200th podcast, the only pledge we have so far planning to fulfill. We'll do the others. There's only so many hours in the day and I have to spend some of them earning money to live, unfortunately.
0: Got those bottles of sherry to buy.
1: I think we Googled it and it's Bristol cream sherry they drink.
0: Yeah, we went hard into it on getting it canon.
1: We never drank any, though. We never actually bought it.
0: Yeah, I think we just kept forgetting about it. We need to do that. When it's back, we'll drink sherry
1: we'll do a fraser watch party and we'll drink sherry
0: he'll have changed his drink by then we'll get it wrong
1: <laughs> but we'll be toast to what it used to be yeah and then if we don't like the sherry we'll make trifle and pour it in the sponge exactly we can't lose really
0: he'll come in and offer everyone a poking spice latte <laughs> and you're like oh it's changed <laughs>
1: He has to cut his alcohol intake
0: due to his age. The Starbucks nearest to yours is really busy because everyone's bought sherry and that i have to go buy <laughs> pumpkin spice lattes. It's like, are you here for the Fraser thing? It's like, yeah. The Fraser watch party. After this yeah. line, we have no more pumpkin spice. But I need it. It needs to be canon.
1: Also, it's March and we don't sell it. March.
0: We didn't know this was coming. No one told us.
1: Okay, well, that was us. That was October. Big thanks to Neil Stenson for the supplied music. And if you enjoyed what you heard, then as always, please do hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Spotify and Apple Podcasts in particular have rating functions built into them, or well, I think most of them do now, which is great. And we would love a rating. But what number of stars would we like if the option is available, Isaac?
0: You can make it a nice round five. That'd be lovely. Yeah, it'd be amazing.
1: Five pumpkin-spiced Frasier
0: lattes. Sherry-spiced.
1: <laughs> Sherry-spiced, yeah. <laughs> and a comment as well. We'd love that. If you want to discuss anything that we brought up here, or anything at all really, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on NeilBeforeBlog.co.uk. And as always, we hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod.
3: Smart.